There's a time for fighting, and there's a time for singing. Now is the time to sing. Or maybe now is the time to podcast. Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast, where we are all about cinematic connections. Each week, we're discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. My name is Zach Brooks, and I am joined by... Brendan Fitzpatrick. And uh, last week, we talked about Monty Python's The Life of Brian. And this week, due to a uh, parody connection, also a Roman sword and sandal connection, we are going to be talking about Spartacus. I am Brian. I am Spartacus. Then at the end of the episode, we'll decide on our next movie based on connections sent in from the listeners and from us, your hosts. Uh, We will be spoiling Spartacus as we get to it. So if you haven't watched it yet, you should, but you're going to have to carve out a little bit of time. It's kind of long. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll put a timestamp if you want to jump ahead to the latter discussion, but you should pause this podcast, go watch Spartacus, and then come back and listen to us discuss that movie. Uh, Spartacus is not streaming for free anywhere. Surprisingly, it is not. Um, I think that's a universal call, like yeah. universal, the movie company call. Uh, yeah. You can rent it, and it comes out at uh, almost a dollar an hour, so it's a very good value. Yeah, I rented it. Uh, I went over. I was and did it on Fandango because I realized that I still had a credit on there. And so the only places I could run it or stream it were Google play or Fandango. And luckily I had a Fandango credit. So it is, so it is on Amazon as well. Okay. Um, You just have to look it up on Amazon. You have to go to Amazon. If you search through Roku, for some reason, the Amazon version doesn't come up. Amazon Uh, does that all the time. I think it's a rights issue. Yeah. I think it's just a bug would be my guess. Uh, Okay. Because uh, they do it for other movies, so I don't think Roku and Amazon have any issues. I think they just right. have a bug. I think it's uh, an Amazon issue. But yes, I don't know. bug. Yeah, yeah. I, I, squash that bug. Um, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about more about the Roku search function here no, on the Spartacus podcast. It, yeah, people missed that yeah. from last season, didn't they? You know, you also can uh, you can also get this from your local library if uh, they have Blu-rays mm-hmm. and if you have a Blu-ray player. I kind of wish I would have done that. I didn't think of even trying the library until just now. Um, yeah, there were two different restorations, one in 91 and one in 2015 when it came to streaming, so when it came to digital. So they put a digital restoration, and that's, that's what they have up on uh, on the Fandango and on the... Uh, yeah, the Amazon version I watched, it looked good mostly. There were a lot of times when it would be, like, it seemed like it was almost like the film was discolored, or there were, like, yeah. lines and things like that. Um, yeah. But it was, it, I mean, it was, it looked good enough. Well, we'll get into why the the movie kind of looks the way it does at some points, but um, there's a lot of Stanley Kubrick style that you can pinpoint in the way this film was shot and uh, cinematography wise. There are a lot of very very obvious Stanley Kubrickisms. Oh, good. I'm I'm glad you have that stuff because yeah. I love Stanley Kubrick and I can't really tell you a ton of Stanley Kubrickisms. I've seen yeah. most of his movies, um, and I. Uh, spoiler alert, I like Spartacus quite a bit, and um, I also like 2001, I like The Shining, I like yeah. uh, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. I don't think there's a Kubrick movie I've seen that I don't like. Um, right. I mean, I, I have one, and it's, you know, the one that everybody says is probably their least favorite if they had to name one, and I mean, it, it's Barry Lyndon. I mean, Barry, Barry Lyndon is just a that, So I've never seen Barry Lyndon. But um, it's, you know... Well, glad I don't have it on my connections, another spoiler. I, yeah, I don't either, And but it's... um. Probably the most visually comparable to this one, ironically mm-hmm. enough, because what Kubrick likes to do, um, and you, you definitely can see this throughout the film, is use as much natural light as possible. So there are scenes where it's going to seem really dark except for candlelight, and mm-hmm. that's because he's actually using candlelight 
or if the coloration or shadow are covering somebody's face partially, it's because he's filming in natural light when they're outside. Oh, interesting. Like, yeah, see, he he likes to use as much natural light in his films as possible. Um, with Barry Lyndon, he used uh, candlelight to light the entire film anytime there was an interior scene or a scene at night. Um, you know, and that's why a lot of people don't like it visually, but I think it's actually a really ve- well-done visual film. I just found it really boring. Yeah, uh, that's but, been on my watch list. I'll get to yeah. it at some point. Uh, yeah. Probably not next week, it doesn't seem like. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> you never know. We never know where the ladder goes. We never know. We'll see. Uh, of course, once we do pick our movie for next week, send in your feedback, ratings, questions, comments, next movie connections to us at Ladder Movie on Twitter, themovieladder at gmail.com. And Absolutely. the movie ladder on Letterboxd as well. Uh, check out Letterboxd to see all the movies that have been suggested on our watch list. You also can see last year's movie ladder, all 52 movies that we did last year, and the ladder for this year, which is up to three after this movie. So. Three is the number that thou shalt count, and the counting of the number shall be three. Yes. Uh, so you said before we started you were curious what my opening line was going to be. And I wrote yeah. down a few uh, and you said you had some, what were the ones so that you had written down? I thought for sure you were going to go with the classic Olivier line of I'm not interested in glory. I'm after Spartacus. Ah, and that's, that's yeah. I, you know, but I, that I was, so that good one. I think the reason why I didn't have that one written down is because that's later on in the film. And as we got into the last like 45 minutes of this movie, I just couldn't even like, take notes i was just so we're actually into it yeah yeah, i was so into the movie so yeah um, and that happens a lot with the movies that we cover where my notes i have a lot in the beginning of the movie writing things down and then as i get into the movie it's i just get into the movie and i I stop taking notes um but i did write down you smell like a rhinoceros that might have been a good opening i also wrote down uh, i like you i want you to be my friend i want to be your friend um but then when they when they had the singing um this singing line. I thought that was good. It's so. really good. Um, we're, we're not fighters. We're podcasters. Would have been a good one. Yeah. Too. See, the yeah. thing is, I like to actually pull. I like to pull the the literal quote instead Fair of enough. trying to like make it a pun. Fair uh, enough. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. Antonitis was the. Uh, yeah. That was the singer. So. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, before we jump into this 1960. 1960 epic uh, by Stanley Kubrick. I think we should do uh, what was the best thing we saw this week. We we didn't do that last week. And I saw I watch a ton of movies over the last week. And so I have, uh, you know, I want to talk about it. Why don't you go first? Because I'm going to open up my letterbox diary and decide what I want to talk about. So Um, so it's it's really fun. I I am up to 18 movies through 18 days of this year. That's incredible. I'm on a one to one pace. I have no idea how Mm -hmm. because. Sometimes there are weeks when I don't see any. Um, on my personal ladder, I uh, have started a series of westerns now, mm-hmm. and I have tons of western blind spots. And so I'm really excited to be watching westerns. Uh, I watched uh, most recently. I watched Real Bravo, which was just a year before Spartacus, actually. Um, yep. And I watched The Searchers before that, which I'd seen once before, and this was a nice one to revisit. Uh, but the one I want to talk about is a new movie. It's probably the newest movie that. Is out right now, and it stars my favorite actor. That is Tom Hanks, and that is News of the World. So oh, nice. technically, this is a 2020 movie. It came out in theaters on Christmas, uh, mm-hmm. but it just came to streaming. It is a full $20 stream right now. It's mm-hmm. uh, for rental. I'm sure that will go down soon if you want to wait. Um, it's getting mediocre reviews, but I love this movie. 
Okay. Uh, it's in my top five for last year. And wow. it just connected with me um, on such a, a different way in pandemic, in um, in kind of being in isolation, not being with people. It's um, it is a modern Western. It's I think it's the first Western Hanks has been. And I can't think of anything else he's been in that would be classified as a Western. Um, and he plays kind of a news. Talk. I mean, basically, he plays a podcaster. Is, is the way I, I really like took his character. So he goes to different towns and he tells them about news going on. And um, but he's almost treated like a stand up in this where he comes up there and he tells funny stories. He tries to bring a little levity. There's there's even the opening line is something along the lines of, uh, you know, I'm here to help you escape your troubles of the world or, or something along those lines. And nice. or, or some 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 news to escape our troubles, I think, is what he says. And I just think it. it it connected right from that spot where I'm like, yes, th- this is what I need right now. I need a Tom Hanks movie that would just like be like a warm blanket of like comfort in these. I don't know. Like, I think it's like a tough time, right? Like, it, it, you know, the tough times didn't end with the end of 2020. I think the beginning of 2021 has been tough. Uh, and you, it's just like I, I just sat and I just really was wrapped up in this movie. Uh, nice. And then. He's it's you know the movie is him on the road and he discovers a little girl who uh, has been with the Native American tribe since she was a baby she was kidnapped and he's working to return her to her family um, and that's that's basically the plot of the movie and so you follow them it's it's similar I would say kind of like uh you know the plot of the Mandalorian a little bit how okay like the, a lone wolf and cub type thing exactly yes okay. Um, but right you know, there's definitely parts where it's, it's, a, it can, you could feel like it's a little tropey. I was expecting this to be very Oscar baity uh-huh. and, you know, I was not at all looking forward to this besides it being Tom Hanks, but it is just so much better than, you know, it's better than like a, like a bridge of spies is kind of what I was expecting from this. Is, is Oscar baity what happens when you have a film that has both Oscar Isaac and Warren Beatty? Yes, exactly. Oscar baity Yes, that is there. Got it. So, okay. uh, yeah, and it, it's directed by Paul Greengrass, who did the Bourne nice. trilogy, and he okay. also did he partnered with Tom Hanks on Captain Phillips, which I also right. really liked. Um, and Hanks gives a great performance. Uh, the actress who plays the little girl, who I'm looking up her name right now, she also gave a really great performance. Okay. Um, Helena Zengel, she's a okay. German actress. Um, and there's nobody else in this who you know no other stars that I recognized besides Hanks. At hmm. uh, it. It just, I mean, even in the opening, he's talking about, uh, you know, he's talking about there's a uh, meningitis pandemic or epidemic going on, and it's killed 97 people. And, you know, this is all in the opening of the movie. And this movie was right. not written last year. This movie was made before 2020. And it just, that stuff really worked for me. Um, a lot of the reviews have focused on a very different aspect of the movie than what I took out of it. I listened to the film spotting review of it and they both gave it kind of temperate reviews. Interesting. They locked onto something completely different than what I got out of it, which actually makes me like this movie even more because it was, it just felt so much more personal to me. Definitely. I mean, I, I always like that with a movie, um, but you can also find that frustrating when reviewers aren't, aren't appreciating the things you appreciated about in a film, but mm-hmm. it also makes it special to you because you're like, well, I'm looking at it in a di- at a different level, and so that makes it unique to you, yeah, which I think it, is really cool. It know? is. It, it feels very yeah. personal to me because That's of great. that. And actually, it's like I feel like normally if I saw a bunch of two and three star reviews for a movie I really liked, I would get really pissed, and I'd be like, "Can you right. believe this?" And I actually like there's something that I like even more that 
people just see this, just people aren't getting out of it what I am. And the people who do, I know I, I suggested it to Jeff and he checked it out and he also really liked it. I don't know if he liked it as much as me, but it's, um, you know, it, it just, it just kind of made me just like appreciate film as a medium in general. So, yeah. um, I highly recommend News of the World. I cannot promise that everybody will really like it. And, uh, but I think at the very least, you're going to get a three star movie. I don't see anybody who's like, this movie is bad. There's just a lot of people who are like, oh, this movie just is, uh, you know, is just kind of bland. I will absolutely, uh, I will absolutely add it to my watch list. And I know it's a side note, but I'm really glad that you watched Real Bravo finally. Um, Yes. And that that would have been, that makes me so happy. uh, Had that movie not been the same week of news of the world i think rio bravo would have been my pick for best movie i watched this week yeah um i yeah real bravo also that is on uh believe it's on hbo max or on amazon prime yeah, that is, yeah. um real bravo and the searchers both really great real bravo is just such a fun movie um i also watched the 2016 magnificent seven which is you know that's it's fun uh, but it's not yeah. good no, no it's fun. The, the last battle was i thought was fun yeah. uh, i watched training day again. Um, nice. which, which I had been meaning to rewatch. I watched Place Behind the Pines. I watched Half oh, Nelson. So, uh, I, yeah, my, my personal ladder has been going crazy. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I am also up to 18 films in Letterboxd for the year 2021, um, including seven films in the last three days. So, and I want to talk about the very first one that kicked it off. I sat down with a whiskey and the lights off and just let regina king's debut film one night in miami take me away and this movie was like a really cool cathartic look into the lives of four people that you can't believe were in the same room at the same time if you haven't heard of one night in miami this is a film that is a sort of historical fiction about what may have taken place a night in February of 1964 when Hall of Fame running back Jim Brown, the musician Sam Cooke, Muhammad Ali, who had just won his first World Heavyweight title from Sonny Lisbon, and Malcolm X all got together at a hotel in Miami and hung out for several hours before going to a bar to celebrate uh, Ali's first championship. And this movie supposes what might have happened and been discussed in that hotel room. And it's two hours of just incredibly cathartic social commentary where they're just one at a time talking about everything that they have had to struggle with throughout their lives. The good, the bad, the ugly. They go through family issues. They go through social issues. They talk about religion. They talk about the um impending war in vietnam they talk about the impending social crisis of the um of the civil rights era that's that's really starting to hit a breaking point um Mm -hmm. the film is really really well made it's very quiet and very intense Mm -hmm. but i really really loved it and it it's anchored by two i think two of the best performances of the year in Leslie Odom Jr. from Hamilton mm-hmm. as Sam Cooke and Kingsley ben who some people might know from High Fidelity as Malcolm X. Nice. And it's, it's definitely the best movie I've watched so far this year in 2021. Obviously, I can't log it as a 21 
film because technically it came out in 2020 um, in select theaters, but it was released for free on Amazon this past Friday, and I'm really glad I checked it out. Um, yeah, it's on my list to watch. I have seen there's one shot in particular from it where mm-hmm. they're all sitting at a bar, and it's a recreation of a famous photo of all of them yeah. sitting at a bar. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've heard I've heard really good things. I've heard it described as um, almost like you feel like you're watching like the real life Avengers. Is yeah. what somebody said. Yeah, it's like the it's like the Black Avengers yeah. getting together. Yeah. So, um, and I uh, the other thing that I've I've heard is that it, it was a stage performance originally. It was, and, it was originally okay. a play. Yeah. Does and it, then it feel was like? Does it is it filmed like a play? Like if it, you it uh, feels similarly as a play in the same way that Ma Rainey's Black Bottom did earlier okay. this year, where yeah. that was also previously a stage film or a stage play and was adapted to be a film, but it, it is staged like it's a play. There are very few sets, there are very few scenes that take place outside of or outside of around this hotel room. So yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of use of flashback, which yeah. obviously you don't really do in a stage play. I mean you can, right. but it's very different. Um but yeah, it's all. They it's, did. Hey, they did do flashback in uh, Hamilton. True, they did. Yeah, then there's. It's usually indicated by a change in lighting and the character going off by themselves and yada yada. Yeah, yeah I would imagine that Marini's um, Black Bottom and One Night Miami will be back to back on my ladder at some point. Absolutely, they should. They, be. they seem like they, they're, they're a good both pairing. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and then I just want to hit a couple other things I watched. Um. So Sunday, I watched the extended edition Return of the King, and what else can I say about it? It's just fantastic. It holds up. Um, And I actually, it made me wish, when I watched Spartacus, I wish that I hadn't watched Return of the King the night before. Yeah. Because it made me look, it made me look at Spartacus in a completely different way, and I felt bad, and I had to sort of get out of that headspace. And luckily, the intermission happened when it did, and I sort of reset my brain in Spartacus. And did you watch them on the same day? Did you? No, say? I didn't. I okay. didn't. But I watched Spartacus yesterday, and I watched uh, Return of the King on Sunday night. Um, I also watched two River Phoenix films, uh, My Own Private Idaho and Running on Empty, which are both fantastic. Highly recommend if you've never seen them. Uh, River Phoenix is obviously an amazing actor, um, and it's you know tragic that he. Uh, you know, lost his life so young because I think he would have had a really great career. But, um, like, yeah, those are the main, like huh? Much like his brother. Yeah, much like his brother. Yeah. And so, I mean, those are the main four things that I watched uh, this weekend. So we haven't, you and I talk all the time, but I don't mm-hmm. think we've really talked about one thing, which is, uh, in a line, are you, how are you on WandaVision? Are you thumbs up or thumbs down? I'm pretty, I'm pretty thumbs up on WandaVision. I, I know I said last week that I was looking forward to the first two episodes, I thought the first two episodes were really fun, even if I don't completely understand what's going on yet, but I think that's kind of the point. Um, it seems very uh, odd and abstract, and I don't think we're supposed to really understand what's going on. I, I think it has a really unique <clears throat> vision <laughs> um, to ah, it. Yes. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I like what they're doing so far, and I'm intrigued. Um I admire them for sticking to the uh, classic sitcom time of less than half an hour rather yes. than trying to cheat I, it. I highly, I highly appreciate that. Right. Rather than trying to cheat it like Disney does with um, Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad they're sticking to less than half an hour for each of these episodes. I think that's I think that's great. Um, I would say I'm thumbs medium. 
so thumbs far me. on it. But yeah. I think by the end of the season, I'll be thumbs up. Like, I see right. where they're going. Right. Um, I just was, I'm not a fan of Dick Van Dyke's show. Or, I mean, I've seen them, but I'm not right. a huge fan of those type of shows. Um, I've seen maybe, like, three episodes of Bewitched ever. Um, as they move, you know, it seems like they're progressing kind of into different eras. So as they get right. closer to, like, TGIF era stuff, I think I'll appreciate that a little bit more. I just kind of feel like the show is kind of smug in the humor and that it's like a little bit like proud of itself for the winks and nods that it's doing. Um, but that's also the humor of the sitcom style of the time, you know? Yes and no, but like the sitcom well, time style of the time wasn't self-aware. And I feel like the show is being self-aware and making fun of okay. like gender dynamics in those shows mm-hmm. and just the silliness of like 1950s, like suburban culture. Mm-hmm. while also patting itself on the back for like, making the low-hanging fruit joke that everybody is already making. Um, Fair enough. I don't know. I just, when I was watching it, and I also was, like, ready, by the end of the second episode, I was like, all right, let's, I get it. You're waiting for something crazy. Yeah. 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 And I know they're giving teases to broader universe things and weirdness going on. Um, But it doesn't make it any easier when you don't understand what those things are. Right. You know, um, it reminded me a lot of Pleasantville, and I think Pleasantville was, uh, was yeah. wittier than this show is uh but this well, show thinks it's wittier than it is fair enough but um, i would say I, by the end of, I think by the end of the season i'll like it a lot yeah i think it'll definitely get better and i think it'll definitely get away from some of that stuff as the mystery starts to unravel and unfold a little more um i'm generally very anti-binge and yeah uh, this show i think would have been better if they just dropped the whole because I, I, I would have rather just watched, and that's that's what i've seen a lot of people say i i agree i think this is because of the way it's styled, it definitely makes more sense to be a binge. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't want to binge Mandalorian, but I would binge the show. Yeah. You know? I think, or even release it in two chunks, do the first half yeah. one week and the second half another week. Yeah. Uh, and usually I am much more pro weekly releases. I think I like the discussion that can happen around there. I just don't think there's that much to discuss about Mandalorian. Yeah, I think part of that. About, uh, WandaVision. Yeah. yeah, part of the problem is it's that that makes you want it to be binged is you it's packaging itself in the sitcom trope but you know it's more than that and that makes watching it very frustrating because you know as the audience because it's marvel that it's way more than the package that it's presenting so you want more yeah. and you're like what the hell you know and, and i so think it's, there's it's a, a good it can chance be kind of frustrating you know? yeah and i think there's a good chance that this show will deal with some pretty heavy themes like mm. grief specifically mm-hmm. and i'm very interested to see it tackle adult themes and not just be uh vision is acting silly absolutely yeah yeah um all right cool. well that, that, that is probably a... our longest like intro yeah. segment that we've done for a, while. Yeah. for a movie that and we both really like this movie and after i finished it last night i was like i wish we were recording spartacus tonight because i was so like yeah, jacked right? up and ready to start talking about this movie um and so you know i think before we even get started on it, so obviously Spartacus is an epic based on the tale of Spartacus based on a book. It is uh, was uh, produced in 1960 or released in 1960, yep. directed by Stanley Kubrick. Um, I think some people have said this is like a paycheck film for Stanley Kubrick or a Studio Force film. So there's definitely some politics there. Um, well, the original and- director, the original director was a man named uh, Howard Fast. And he, or, I'm sorry, Howard Fast adapted it, but couldn't adapt it in a well enough time frame or in the style to have it 
turned into a film right away. So the making of the screenplay was turned over to Dalton Trumbo, who was at the time on the Hollywood blacklist after the um, communist McCarthy hearings. Mm -hmm. Um, So he had to pen the screenplay under the name Sam Jackson. Which oh, so he didn't. Up. So because it yeah. does list him as Dalton Trumbo in it the does. credits. It does. So he was given credit after Kennedy pardoned the Hollywood blacklist in 1960. Mm-hmm. He was able to put have his name be put on the film. Um, there was an initial director named David Lean, and then he eventually got replaced by Anthony Mann. Anthony Mann ended up shooting the film for a week before being fired after. Kirk Douglas uh, complained to the studio heads. Um, It's sort of still a little mysterious exactly what he did that caused him to be fired, but apparently there was a lot of friction between him and Douglas surrounding the... They they were shooting in order, and the first scene he had shot was the one in the rock quarry, which I imagine was a very grueling shoot, especially when you're chasing Kirk Douglas. The fight uh, in the rock quarry? Uh, yeah, the fight in the rock quarry where Spartacus ends up chained to the rock. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then and then he gets picked by um, Bubastis. So the opening uh, of this movie. Yeah, the very opening of the movie was the first yeah. thing they filmed. And I imagine it was a very grueling first week, especially in the hot California sun. Um, And so Kirk Douglas probably didn't like being tied to a rock for hours and hours. Just Which is ironic because of the way this film ends. Oh, that absolutely. And absolutely. the heat tied to a crucifix. Yeah, but we can't, I mean, that's that's just speculation of the exact reason, but all we know is that he, um, Anthony, Anthony Mann only lasted a week, and then uh, basically they realized that they still had Kubrick under contract for one more film, and so they hired him to finish the project. I see. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah, and I do know, you know, you talked about Dalton Trumbo being on the Hollywood blacklist, and one yeah. thing I did see about this movie is that the the famous I'm Spartacus scene yeah. is actually Trumbo wrote that about the McCarthy hearings and yeah. the blacklisting of directors and the, um, you know, the, the Red Scare trying to find communists within Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, much like, much like the, uh, much like Arthur Miller wrote The Crucible as a parable about the McCarthy hearings, in 1954, this movie is definitely can be seen as a uh, parable of the McCarthy hearings, for sure. So, um, yes. So uh, Stanley Cooper directed it in 1960. It does star Kirk Douglas. Uh, this is the first movie I've ever yep. seen with Kirk Douglas in it, um, yep. I believe. And, uh, of course, I know Kirk Douglas more than uh, the actor Kirk Douglas. I know him as the father of Michael Douglas. Yep. And he looks exactly like his son i he absolutely does. I was watching I mean, michael douglas and he sounds just like him it's too. incredible it's like i know we talked about martin sheen charlie sheen Amelia yes, Estevez, all looking the yep. same in apocalypse now i mean this this also is another instance of you know a father looking very much like his son at that age um mm-hmm. he definitely does and michael douglas as he's gotten older has gotten to look more like a very old kirk douglas <laughs> as well um, but yeah, Does Michael also, Douglas I, have a son that is uh, famous. No idea. Yeah, I, I haven't heard much about it. I just would be, I'd be curious. Yeah, if there was a third generation of of Douglases. I, I imagine him and Catherine Zeta-Jones have a kid, right? Yeah, I, I would two. imagine that they do. I would yeah. think. Who knows? Wow. So, uh, yeah, I think I mean I have a lot of 
things I'd like to touch on. I definitely, you know, it, this is a long movie, so we're not going to go through like the, the plot. No, we're not going through it because I need uh, but, yeah. um, but I, I think, um, and one thing I asked you to uh, about earlier yeah. is kind of where this falls in terms of the timeline of these large scale epic movies. So this is, yeah. you know, this is called, you know, this movie's often called Sword and Sandal. It's about gladiators. Yep. It takes place in ancient times. It is an especially long runtime. This movie obviously joined you know the the pantheon of, of movies like lawrence of arabia ben hur uh you know you throw gladiator in there but i am not familiar enough with where movies were in 1960s to know like did movies like this exist before spartacus well they did because um this movie is a direct answer from universal and united artists to mgm's release of ben hur in 1959 ben hur was a huge smash hit got nominated for a shit ton of Oscars and you know, Universal was struggling at the time as far as movie companies went. And they were like, the only way we could save the studio is if we create our own Ben-Hur. And so they actually commissioned two different scripts. One was being written by Trumbo and another was being commissioned by Yul Brenner, both being um, adapted versions of Spartacus and this version that we see in 1960 won the race to have the screenplay finished first. So, and so it went into production. So um, what I don't understand is, okay, yeah. th- that makes sense. That all makes sense. But yeah. Ben-Hur came out one year before this. Yep. It did. And they but were able to get this movie produced after made, ben- shot as a- and released in time. Yes. And that's because that's how movies worked back then. Movie studios worked on and released hundreds of films within a year, sometimes. Movie studios were a lot larger and producing a lot more movies at the same time than they are now. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's it was... Because that just seems wild to me. With, the studio I mean, system it, it would seem crazy. hard for me, to, for me to imagine that happening now yeah, with the technology I mean, that we have. Imagine that there was, like, not just one Bond movie in production but three Bond movies in production at the same time and a Bourne and a, you know, comedy starring Will Ferrell all at the same time, all from the same studio. That's what the studio system was like in the 50s, 40s, 50s and 60s, because you had all the stars, all the talent, all the screenwriters, all the directors you could imagine. And there were hundreds. They were all signed under. Exactly. So the studio could just, the studio could say you have two weeks to write and shoot this film and then boom, then your contract's done. So you better finish and here's your budget go. And they would have to do that over and over and over again. Like, I mean, most films that now take a year to film were probably given three months in the fifties and sixties. Um, and I mean, it's not like shooting, yeah. you know, a lot of times shooting schedules, like right now I know they're filming the Mission Impossible movie, right. for example. And Batman, you also have to remember that back then things were, a lot more things were shot in and around Los Angeles and on studio lots. So mm-hmm. like all the desert stuff in California, it's not like they went to, you know, Rome to and Italy. filmed this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they filmed this in the mountains in California. Right. Uh, so. And, like, and sometimes in front of big paintings. Uh, yes. There were times that was the only thing. Otherwise, I felt this movie was very yeah, well the, made. But the, there were times the where I was like, yeah. "Yeah, I was like that 
backdrop looks like yeah. somebody took a coloring book and then held it yeah, up behind yeah. the actors. Yeah, the, the 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 juniper garden backdrop where they are falling in love, uh, him and Viola. Um, what's her name? Viola. Uh, uh, Verena. Uh, sorry, Verena. Verena. Yeah, um, yeah I have to have the list of all the scene, names. But it's so the the background is so fake. It's ridiculous. Like it's and easy. there were, there were like a number of scenes like that. Um, yeah. I would also say when Crassus is looking out over his balcony. Yeah. Uh, so, and yeah. And, and yeah, I think, I think at least for me, I struggled with the names. Uh, I know Spartacus, yeah. I know Crassus, uh, Varenia, I know, but I had to look it up. So to be yeah. reminded. Um, uh, and then obviously Julius Caesar, I know, but um, there are a lot of similar names in this. They are very yeah. Roman sounding. Yeah. Um, so, so, you yeah. have, so you have Charles Lawton as Crassus. Who is the older, white-haired, chubby one? And uh, then the second have, funniest character in this. Yeah, movie. he's fantastic. Yes, he's. I, I, I loved his character. I thought he did a great job. Um, and then you have uh, Marcus Gabrus. I'm sorry, Marcus Glabrus, played by John Dahl, and he's the one that I messaged you about just to warn you, sort of about that. I was like, there's a character in this movie that looks exactly like Edmure Tully from Game of Thrones. Yeah. And then he turns out to actually kind of be Edmure Tully from Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah, he gets played like a fiddle by <laughs> He gets the played like a fiddle, and he's kind of an idiot. And yeah, he, he gets screwed by the Senate, and then laughed at and thrown out of Rome, and it's fantastic. I loved that character. I loved him. He was great. Um, yeah, my favorite, probably, well, not I don't know if I'd say my favorite character, but I think the funniest mm-hmm. character in this is uh, Batias. Oh, and, Matthias, yeah. The slave so he's yeah. like the headmaster of the gladiator slave school, yep. basically. Um, but just feels like he provides a lot of comic relief. And I was surprised how funny this movie was. It was much funnier than I was expecting. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it was sort of like um, giving you the giving you the lighter side of gladiator school, which mm-hmm. was which was really interesting and funny. Um, I. It's like not not all gladiator battle battle guys are bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Some of them turn out to actually be nice, and I I did like that. Um, I thought he had a really good, compelling, and complete arc. Um, his struggle with, you know, with Crassus and what he was going to do and whether he was going to turn over Spartacus or not, and then finding out there was a child and deciding to help them mm-hmm. in the end, yep. I thought was really great. Um, really redeemed that character. Yeah. Um, and Peter Ustinov was actually nominated for and won a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for his role as Batidas, uh, Batidas, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, did Lawrence I, Olivier get nominated for this? Because Lawrence I thought, Olivier did not get nominated for an Oscar. That's for surprising because I, I thought his performance was the strongest. Yeah. Well, I mean, because he's Lawrence freaking Olivier. I mean, he's the Daniel Day Lewis of his day. Right. You know. I mean, he is he is the strongest performer in the film, and the fact that he was not nominated for Best Supporting Actor is pretty shocking. Yeah. Um, what else Oscar-wise was because I didn't look I didn't even look it up. Did this movie win Best Picture? Did, uh, yeah. So this not this picture was nominated for four Oscars. Wait, no, I'm sorry, seven Oscars, winning four. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for Peter Ustinov. Uh, do 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 do. And I lost it. Never mind. But yeah, uh, seven overall, and w- winning four. Uh, but it didn't win. It didn't win best picture. It looks it like it won, best, best it, it won best uh, art direction for a color yep. movie. Won best cinematography, 
and best costume direction for a color. That also makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, the costumes were fantastic. And it was also nominated for costume design. Yeah. um, And let's see, film editing, and then uh, score was nominated for. It did win best film, or it was nominated for best film at the British Academy. Um, and you know, a a number of other films. Um, I'd be curious what won best picture in 1960. I don't know if this is, let's see what. Yeah. I mean, um, Oh, psycho was this year, the apartment breathless, which you and I both watched for the, uh, Uh, obviously. Well, that would be the 59. That would be the movie that came out. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. So best picture in 1961. Um, magnificent seven was also that year. Oh, the apartment. Which I love. Yeah, I like The Apartment quite a bit. The Apartment's a great movie, uh, but this is much more the Oscar, what we would now call the Oscar baiting movie that you would expect to win. This is the the 1917 of its time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, like, it's shocking that The Apartment would beat this, but, I mean, The Apartment's a great movie. I love it. Especially in uh, Me Too era, The Apartment really hits differently, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Check out The Apartment if you haven't. Um, so I didn't know anything about this story going in. I assumed Spartacus was a Greek story about Sparta. Um, did not <laughs> expect it was going to be a Roman story. And then I saw in the opening credits that Julius Caesar was in this movie. And I was like, oh, I guess that makes sense as Julius mm-hmm. Caesar was also in uh, or, or a Caesar-like character yep. was in uh, Life of Brian. Yep. And throughout the movie, I was trying to figure out where it was going. And it, it had a number of surprises for me. One was that the giant battle does not happen at the end of the movie. The giant battle happens nope. with like an hour to go in the movie. Yeah. Um, and the other, the big one, is I just assumed Spartacus was going to live and uh, his wife and child were going to be murdered. Oh, and no. that was what was going to propel him to, what, you know, he was going to be on the last grasp in his battle. His, he was going to find out his wife and child had been murdered, much like the beginning of Gladiator. And that was what was going to propel him down his path at the end. Uh, was not expecting the dark ending of well dark in some ways i guess not dark in other ways but that uh spartacus's army would lose and spartacus would be crucified at the end of the movie and that would have been awful i'm i'm really glad that i mean not glad that it turned out the way that it did but i'm really glad we didn't have to see or think about spartacus's wife and child being murdered by well and i just feel like in the passes i mean that would have been yeah i feel like that is what would happen in the 2020 version of this movie oh for sure because it is sure. just like the and, your typical plot line that you know a character's motivation is that his wife and child have been killed thus you know in gladiator that is the motivation for the beginning of that movie absolutely like i would not be shocked if that happens on spartacus the tv show which i have not seen no spoilers from me for spartacus but you know this this movie you're ever gonna watch the tv show uh, probably not. But it is on our favorite streaming service, Stars. Ah, yes, good old and Stars. And aired aired from 2010 to 2013. Um, apparently it follows this movie pretty closely, but then like obviously expands on it. But a lot of the characters are the same. A lot of the plot beats are the same. But obviously bigger, bloodier Game of Thrones style shit from you know the TV Spartacus. Um, yeah, I've, I've never seen it. I don't know anybody that's in it. Um. Yeah, it came up when I was searching for this. Um, the other thing that I was most surprised by in this movie is the amount of politics, both yeah. with the Roman Senate, but also, I would say, with Spartacus's army. And sure. there was a lot of mirroring, I thought, that happened between 
the political machinations of the Roman senators, but then mm-hmm. also with Spartacus leading his army. And they almost, I felt like at one point became the elites that they were fighting against, where it's this small select group of heads of the army for making decisions, for the, making yeah. decisions, drinking, when, especially when they're drinking the wine. That was when it really yeah. hit me. I'm like, you guys are becoming exactly what you're trying to fight against. You're yeah. not necessarily enslaving people, but you are sitting around drinking wine while all the peasants, you know, the thousands of people are just outside. Out, out sleeping on the beach, crying and shivering. And yes. yes. And like, are, you, even, are you really helping these people was the big thing. Like, exactly. that's the, yeah. Like, what are you leading them towards? You're leading them out yeah. of slavery, but to what? To their deaths. Like, right. all of their deaths. Exactly. It did end up and being that's, deaths. So, yeah. That's the uh, worst part. Like, And it, it was mirrored even more when we have Spartacus giving a speech to all of his troops cross cut with uh crassus giving the with speech to speech, his yeah yeah i loved that i loved i loved that directorial choice from kubrick um and i liked both speeches i thought they were both really really cool i thought you really got a um side of both of those characters like you really understood where both of them were coming from mm-hmm. at various points i mean you i didn't like hate crassus like i mean he is a dick Oh, but, you, I thought he was. Also, a, I thought he was a great villain. I hated him. But he's also trying to like. You, you get what he's doing in trying to preserve peace in his realm, but at the same time, at what? But cost he's trying to get powers. I mean, yeah, he's trying he's to also, yeah. I, What I really like too is that they don't show what happens to him at the end of the movie, but he goes yeah. off with Julius Caesar, and so you know Crassus is going to meet his end because Julius Caesar is going to become Julius Caesar. Right, exactly. So, you know, and Crassus isn't one of the uh, many people we meet in the Shakespearean Julius Caesar, so... Yeah, I was wondering know. if there was going to be a, a Brutus what? in this movie. Yeah, exactly. It would have been cool. There was not. Um, but yeah, I, I really like, you know, I, I when I heard about Spartacus, I was like, all right, we're going to have gladiators, we're going to have mm-hmm. battle, and we're going to have a rebellion. Mm-hmm. Did not think we were really going to get into the, like... Very, you know, in this this show, this movie is a lot like Game of Thrones, but in the very Game yeah. of Thronesy, um, you know, let's what's behind closed doors going on with these politicians. For sure, I mean, there's a lot of walk and talk. There's a lot of politics. There's a lot of trudging across the countryside. Um, there's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of people making big decisions in small rooms that affect um, that affect you know, millions, millions of people, and yeah. that's that's. I did not. I have seen this movie, but I had completely forgotten, you know, most of it. And I was like, I was so mad when the Sicilian trader guy comes and is like, yeah, so, uh, sorry, dude, no boats. Yeah, no ships, buddy. <laughs> like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But you also kind of got where they were coming from because they weren't prepared for an all-out war. Like, they were like, yeah, we can't afford to go to war with Rome just to save you got you right. and your army like that's not what we signed up for we just thought that you needed passage we didn't realize that you were getting caught in a pincer move and all of our ships would be destroyed if we came to help you we can't do that <laughs> i like the reference the pincer move what is the yeah. what is the pincer move what is that for? the pincer move is when it's, oh, it's in tenet they they talk about the pincer move they, they talk about that it's a game of thrones move too so oh, okay it's when you have an army coming from one direction mm-hmm. and then they become flanked from a perpendicular direction to force you to north. force you 
into the middle and then they just sort of close in on you right. as they come in and you're screwed. And Which is what happened in this movie. Yeah. And it basically trying to traps force them against the sea yeah. so that they can't flee because there's nowhere for them to flee to. Mm-hmm. So they had to fight, so they're screwed. Yeah. Um I also obviously loved intermission that yeah. it happened. Um Lovely I, I love I actually really you know, there's the movie starts with like a eight minute overture and credits. Yeah. Um and you know, I knew that was coming. I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people just fast forward through it. Right. I thought I it was awesome. I you did fast forward through it. I did, it? I did. Yeah. But here's here's the thing is that you have to also remember that back in the day, and people still do this, but back in the day, people didn't show up to the movies on time. Right. So big epic movies like this would have a five to ten minute overture instead of, you know, 30 minutes worth of previews, which is what right. we have now. 20 minutes of credit. So it's it's sort of a give and take. We still have overtures. They're just previews for upcoming attractions. Yeah. You know. Um. I, I love the overture. It got me totally in the mood for this movie. I mm-hmm. sat down, the overture was going, and I just watched a black screen and listened to the music. I'm like, <laughs> all right, yeah, like I'm re- I'm ready to watch this movie. And uh, then the credits start, and you're like, then I watched the whole credits over <laughs> too. And you know, I'm sure if this was on Netflix, there would be the skip intro button, right, and right, right. Would click it. But for me, it was that was part of this movie. Yes. And it was yeah. it was just like exciting uh, adventurous music building up and there was a couple times in this movie where things build to a crescendo yeah. um including the uh the gladiator fight scene between Spartacus and Drabus yeah. where there's a lot of build up there and then a lot of build up to the big battle when they eventually roll the the fire logs down Dude, and so the, this that's... was just another one of those where it's just building anticipation for like what am i going to see and as I'm watching it, I was imagining people in 1960 in the movie theater filing mm. in as the music is playing and the the curtain being pulled back. And I was like, I wish mm. I had a curtain in front of my TV that I could just like, <laughs> open and feel like really just feel like I was in a movie theater. Um, nice. So, yeah, I don't I Normally, I think I would be like, all right, yeah, let me scroll Twitter for eight minutes while I listen to this music. Like, I didn't do any of that. I just watched. Yeah. I just watched it. And uh, it was so, it, it just got me in the mood. Yeah, so you mentioned the the first gladiator fight, which occurs right before the revolt. I thought that was really cool, the way they chose to yes. shoot the... You, you see the first few combatants go out, and you don't actually see that fight. You hear it, yep. and you see it through the slats in the window, but you don't actually see anybody kill each other. What you see instead is the terror on... Spartacus and I'm sorry, you said his name. Um, uh, Drabus or Drabus and faces, and it's uh, it's amazing, like yeah. just that you would get that from their perspective because most movies wouldn't do that because they don't want to fight each other, they don't yeah. want to kill each other, and no, it's not don't. that they're dreading. It's it's a different twist on that type of thing because in most movies it's like, oh, I'm really dreading. Um, you know, yeah, fighting whoever I'm going to be against. It's if they don't want to kill anybody. Right. But it's almost like, a, you know, comparison, I would think, is like Thor Ragnarok almost, right. where it's like, oh, like, I don't want to, you know, like, we're actually friends, but we have to fight each other. Um, yeah. He, he so, is a friend from work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Force work. But yeah, no, I thought that, I wrote down at that point, I said, best scene in the movie. Yeah, so that was fantastic. Um, and I, and I would actually say potentially best scene in the movie. Uh, but I think there was a couple other contenders. There were some great conversations. But yeah. just the way that that built anticipation for this fight, um, I thought was really good. And yeah, it's so tragic when he gets like speared through the back and then 
you know, the whole time you're waiting for Crassus to remember who Spartacus is. Mm-hmm. And that the fact that that builds through the entire movie and he, you have that like a awesome eye roll scene with him and Bastus Batidas when they are in the tent. And he's like, who is this Spartacus? And Batidas is like, dude, you guys met. Yeah. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, he just, uh, Olivier just gives this perfect reaction that's just like, what? Oh my God. Well, two notes on that. So, yeah. first is that at that point, I did, I still did not know Crassus was the villain of this movie. Yeah. Um, I thought it was going to be the slave masters that were the villains because yeah. we hadn't even been introduced to Rome at that point. Right. And so, you're watching that and you're just, it's just some guy. And it's right. much different, I think, on a rewatch where you see that and you go, okay, well, this is no. this is the introduction to Crassus. I also, because I'm not super familiar with Laurence Olivier, I've seen him in some movies. Like, I didn't realize at first that was Laurence Olivier or that might have yeah. tipped me off a little bit. But it's like, hey, watch, you know, big arrow on this guy. This yeah, is the big arrow on this guy. This is like, um... Um, <laughs> but what I did note from that is that the men in up on the balcony are barely even paying attention to the fight. Right. And it reminded me of like, like these guys are working so hard. They're fighting. It reminded me, you know, I talked about like, I normally I just be on my phone, you know, on Twitter. It kind of reminds me of like watching a movie that somebody worked all this time on. And you're sitting there playing on your phone. Right. I'm playing on my phone. I'm like, oh, that was kind of boring. Right. Like, like, I mean, obviously Stanley Kubrick didn't know that was how we were going to be consuming television and movies in the future. But if he was a time traveler and he went back in time and made this movie, it almost could be a commentary on the way that we consume things and just kind of like, nah, eh, whatever. Sure. Like yeah. something somebody's putting their entire life into, they're not paying attention to. Right. For sure. So, um, so one scene that I thought actually was a little underwhelming yeah. and I was surprised is the I'm Spartacus scene. Really? Um, you were underwhelmed by not, Spartacus? No, I mean, it was fine. It was good. It was a good scene. Um, and I, I was trying to compare it to other like epic moments in movie mm-hmm. theater and movie history. And like the one that it probably the closest resembles is the freedom line from Braveheart yeah. um, or Avengers assemble at the end of Endgame. Right. And both of those packed such more, so much more of an emotional, emotional punch to me where this, it was like, I think also it's probably different watching it after watching life of Brian, because right. it's, a, it feels a little silly after it I just saw it. So I think um, part of that, I think part of that could also be that so much more happens after that. Like, it's, it, well, it just wasn't like climactic. It, well, yeah, it wasn't yeah. like the climactic moment where the, right. the, you know, the, the army is backed into a corner and they're going to lose. And then they all start saying, I am Spartacus and they're reinvigorated to fight, which is what I was expecting. This right. was like, they've already, they've already lost. They've already been captured right. they're and really they're just, just protecting their man. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I also just felt like, I don't know, that scene was like, it just felt a little short. I watched it again on YouTube this morning Yeah, and it's good. I like the idea behind it, but it's like that it's this historic movie moment. It doesn't feel, it didn't feel historic to me when I was watching. That's also kind of what I felt overall about the final battle, even though I really enjoyed it and I liked the way it was shot. I mean, there are several things in the battle itself that are incredible um i've never seen an army use fire logs rolling down a hill yes, to that was decimate great. another army before that was so unique and cool i was like i just wrote in block letters in my notebook fire logs yeah like that was one of the coolest things i ever yeah, seen i didn't and see then, that coming and um yeah. and that's another one you know we talked about the build-up before the big gladiator fight mm-hmm. in the beginning that's another one where it's probably 10 minutes as the armies are lining up it kind of reminded right. me of um 
think it was Battle of the Bastards in Game of Thrones. Yeah, it was very... Each yeah. army getting into place, and they're in different... Yeah. I mean, th- this movie definitely influenced a lot of Game of Thrones. And a lot of... Uh, I mean, as, as you said, Braveheart as well. It reminded yes. me a lot of Braveheart. And a lot of Braveheart, um, yeah. Yeah. Had there been... I mean, I know you said Ben-Hur, and I don't... I have not seen Ben-Hur. I'm not too familiar with yeah. it. Is there a big battle like this in Ben-Hur? Are there other movies with that kind of scope of battle I mean, there certainly this. are um not necessarily from that are set in ancient rome but there definitely are i mean you have a lot of war movies that have this same sort of massive armies fighting on a hill gathering troops mm-hmm. um all converging on a point to fight um i mean it's a it's a well-worn um war movie trope in general well, and we see it a lot now. I mean, you just yeah. brought up Return of the King, which you just watched. I mean, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Battle of Plunder Fields is yeah. directly influenced by the way this is shot. Mm-hmm. I mean. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I thought I thought that was good. And then, you know, there are parts of the battle that were kind of silly, like the guy who gets his arm chopped off. and that he's was, just doing blood I actually everything. loved that. Like, I was yeah. like, you wasted your one bit of bloodletting you were allowed to do in this movie for that moment. Yes. And I'm actually kind of OK with it. Because um, everything so, else is kind of bloodless. There's not a lot of blood in this movie. Yeah, there's paint. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, well, there's well when uh, when Drapa gets stabbed in the back by Crassus, the blood true. pops into his face. That's true. Uh, That's and true. I do really like the parallel of him getting stabbed in the back, which obviously yeah. Julius Caesar is eventually going to get stabbed in the back multiple um, times. Yeah. <laughs> um, so speaking of that big battle, and I don't know if you pulled this in your tidbits, but Olin sent me uh, a the best tidbit of this movie, which makes me like this movie even more. Yeah. So this movie, when they were filming it, they needed the audio of a large group of people um, okay. And for that big battle scene. And so what they did was they didn't know exactly – and they needed um, – you know, they, they needed people yelling, you know, Hail Crassus and I'm Spartacus. So – in 1959, in the fall of 1959, they said, oh, yeah. we're doing a movie about Spartacus. Why don't we talk or, you know, why don't we utilize these Spartans? So they went to the Michigan State Notre Dame football game in Spartan Stadium and recorded the crowd yelling and screaming and having them yell different things that could be used in the battle. And that is the audio that you're hearing during that giant. That's house. amazing. Wow. Yes. Congratulations. Uh, you made it into Spartacus. Yeah. So, uh. Yeah, so what Olin sent me specifically is he said, for the mass crowd scenes, when the scenes needed them shouting, they did that during the MSU versus Notre Dame game in 1959. They included shouting, I'm Spartacus, and other general lines and army shoutouts. John Gavin, uh, who played Julius Caesar in this movie, directed the crowd at halftime, and uh, he was the one who played Caesar. And the best note, Michigan State won the game 19-0. to uh, this is Spartacus. This is Spartacus. So I had no idea about that. I'm, awesome. I'm a huge Michigan State fan. I had never heard that before. Was uh, John Ga- did John Gavin go to MSU? No, uh, I don't think so. James Kahn went to MSU. I don't. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Maybe John Gavin went to MSU. Um, I'm just trying to think of why they would have used him. Uh, maybe just because he was the like good looking. <laughs> uh, good point. I guess you're not going to send Lawrence Olivier to Michigan State. He's going to be like, yeah, fuck off. Yeah. I'm not going there. Um. <laughs> I I do think that John Gavin was the the most handsome actor in this movie. Um, Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I'll have to see if uh, some of our other listeners agree or disagree. But I I, I, mean, I was like, I, I don't think I've seen John Curtis. Gavin in anything really. And I thought, um, yeah, I mean, I, maybe I, I guess he's in Psycho, so I guess I have seen sure. him. But I'm not, I wasn't familiar. I didn't recognize him at all. 
yeah, we haven't really, I mean, speaking of good-looking dudes, we haven't really talked about young Tony Curtis in this at all. Um, so Tony Curtis is Antonitis, the singer. Oh, yes. I thought was really, really good. Um, I, I wish that he had been given a little more to do. He yeah, I thought like he was a little lines. underdeveloped. He was a little underdeveloped, yeah. Yeah, after the scene right. with Crassus, where Crassus, the, he's talking about snails and oysters. Which and he's is, giving the monologue, yeah. Yes, uh, and that monologue, I, you know, I, I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but, like, it's, I was I was just laughing at, like, how thinly veiled the uh, euphemism was using snails yeah. and oysters, and that uh, sometimes you enjoy both, which Crassus right. does, so. Right. I thought that was really great. Um, I thought I thought the scene where Crassus is monologuing out the window and Tony Curtis just sneaks off. He just leaves. Yes, it's like that's his moment to escape. I thought it was fantastic. Um, yeah, if I wasn't so distracted by the painted background, I would have enjoyed that even more. Yeah, I so. did think it was kind of like ridiculous and cheesy, but the way they sort of yada yada the freeing of all the slaves, where they're just riding through the towns and they're like come join us and people just start running from the woods like there's no like where did all these people come from how did they get away from their masters like why why isn't anybody chasing them through the woods trying to get them back like so you know what that reminded me of yeah and we've talked about this a lot that reminded me of game of thrones because i feel Uh, like daenerys targaryen is definitely based off of spartacus it's the same thing that character like she follows a very similar at least until the last season of game of thrones she follows a very similar trajectory to spartacus in terms of being a slave herself freeing the slaves becoming the leader and then kind of people true yeah uh line (laughs) streets with crucified people that's true yeah so she kind of is uh all the characters in this movie wrapped together yeah for sure um so i want to talk about a uh, few other things. The first is the theme of death in this movie and the way okay. death is. They talk earlier. Spartacus talks about how when you're a slave, you don't fear death. Death is your escape. You fear life because life is so hard. And when you're free, you feel you fear death. And I'm curious how you thought that that kind of panned out throughout the movie, because by the end of the movie, Spartacus dies and seems OK dying. But he was yeah. no longer a slave. Yeah, I think that was, I think that you can parallel it pretty completely with the arc of uh, Maximus in um, Gladiator in that same way, Mm -hmm. like, where he is, has spent his entire life thinking about war and slavery and gladiatorial combat and the only way to escape and quote unquote see, and quote and see his family again and live is to die. And I think Spartacus once he realizes that there is no real freedom, like his dreams are crushed, you know, really when the ships are denied to him, right? he realizes that the only true victory comes in death. And a lot of people, um, you know, that's like, that's sort of what um, a lot of, a lot of cult mentality is too. Like, I mean, that the only true way to achieve spiritualness is, when you die and so therefore you must accept that death willingly and like death greet death like an old friend as they say in harry potter and accept it and just go off Mm -hmm. and that's that's i think you know i think that's a not the best way to live but i think it's an okay way to die Mm -hmm. well and you know um when when uh spartacus does die at the end or at least we're we're to assume that he dies at the end of the movie he's willing to accept he 
he's no longer a slave. I mean, he's a prisoner, but he's not really living a slave life. And it's more that he's not looking at death as an escape, but he's dying with the relief knowing that his wife and son. That um, he's dying for something. That his right, wife, that, that he has that a Because yeah. he's dying, they're able to escape. Um, right. But I will and say I mean, Spartacus that's... was very sure that he was having a son. And I was like, you know, you could yeah. have a daughter. He just kept saying, <laughs> my son, my son. And I'm like, Right. Yes, Michael Douglas, but also you could have a daughter. Like we don't <laughs> you know. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. But yeah, um, and, and it's one like that thing that um, you know, that Tyrion Lannister or Tywin talks about with Tyrion in Game of Thrones season three, and he talks about you know, do you know what legacy is? It's it's what is left of us when we are gone, and sometimes that's all we have. That's all we can do is pass on our names, our titles, our lands, our memory to our children mm-hmm. and hope that they do something better with them than we did ourselves. And I will say he, you know, he kind of passes down two different legacies. One is his yeah. child, yep. uh, but also the, the legend of Spartacus he Correct. knows will grow. Yeah, it's um, important to talk about yeah. the slave, the slave uprising. I mean, you can look at him as a Jesus type figure, mm-hmm. uh, you know, s- similar to life of Brian in that way. So, um, yeah. Sure. Um, all right. The, the other thing I want to talk about well, before I talk about that, I did want to also point out the line. Uh, I'll take a little Republican corruption along with a little Republican freedom. Thought that line hits very yes. differently in 2020. <laughs> yeah, um, it does. It I does. would prefer no Republican corruption if I could have none. And uh, maybe after tomorrow, we'll be in a better spot for that. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. So the other this movie, obviously highly influential, and I'd be curious where you think it influenced. But I think this yeah. movie really really influenced something that i've never heard it talked about as being connected to mm. and i would be curious is there anything that you can think of that you think this movie influenced besides game of thrones obviously and since game of thrones and um, the ones that we've brought up gladiator this Marvel. movie definitely has star wars ding vibes. ding 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 and the, i feel like these star wars prequels not, especially don't step on my connections bro <laughs> damn it spoiler i wrote alert. that down so spoiler alert for later um yes i have a very big connection (laughs) okay well i mean because i feel like so much of the prequels especially uh attack of the clones and especially especially everything with the politics and the rise of the empire and the infighting and the politics and uh, obviously the gladiatorial combat and the use of the word master Mm -hmm. and you know Anakin Skywalker was a slave who became a rebellious leader who wound up dying a, a martyr's death by the strapped to a guy. well and and when he's bought when Anakin dies he's kind of strapped like strapped a crucifix to a thing like Spartacus yeah, yeah. and becomes Darth Vader Spoiler I think alert. that's why I thought I think yeah. that because when I I pinpointed that kind of early I was like wow this is like George Lucas definitely borrowed a lot of this oh, from it's, it's, so I think that's a lot of why I was expecting the wife and child to be killed. Um, because I figured that would follow that same Anakin Skywalker path. Well, so. it's funny because I did have several people write in and say, like, the major the major mistake that the sequels made, that the that George got right with the prequels and the original trilogy, was that he based them off of classic films mm-hmm. and followed a template that he that was really great. Like, I mean, um, and the thing that the sequel films didn't do was they instead chose to pattern themselves after themselves instead yeah. of 
great epics that came before them, and that's sort of what got lost in those narratives. And that's uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. But yeah, I had no idea that this movie was gonna tie so much into. And I actually like parts of Attack of the Clones, and I like mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith. Um, so it's you know it was interesting to see how much you could really tie Crassus onto uh, Palpatine as well, and the arc of Crassus, the arc of Spartacus being a slave who re- who becomes a, a freedom fighter. You know, you're just missing that end of Spartacus, uh, uh, the end of his journey, becoming the you know, becoming the hero, whereas Anakin became the villain by the end. Yeah, for sure. So, um, and yeah, and I, the other thing that I actually noticed is there's elements of the score in this yeah. that I noticed, especially, so, you know, I don't know which, what you would call this part of the score in Star Wars, but the very slow score, um, you hear it when Darth Vader takes his mask off at the end of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, that really like slowed slow, down version. Slow, quiet yeah. Yeah, that that slowed down version of the Imperial March. I feel like mm-hmm. I heard that sound clip a couple times in the score in this movie and I didn't know if that was an intentional homage, but it sounds very similar. So, um Interesting. I think just cuz I had the Star I had Star Wars on the brain watching this movie. Um you know. Uh, there was no Trade Federation in this though. There was no Well, I mean, you could see the ship merchants as the Trade Federation. That's true. Yeah. They were they were traders. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Um so uh, another connection that I saw to just kind of modern popular culture is Westworld as well. Uh, yep. The slave uprising in Westworld. They referenced Delos, which I think was a place in ancient Rome. Yeah. Uh, Delos is the company in Westworld. So oh, yeah, good point. That. Good point. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you can see this this movie definitely. You can see the the fingerprints of this movie on a lot of modern pop culture and yeah, fantasy. For sure. Uh, I mean, Lord of the Rings, obviously, as well. Um, so. Uh, and- the um I mean this like I said this movie was sort of phase two of the uh resurgence of the sword and sandal epics which really lasted through 1964-1965 between fall of the Roman Empire and then finally um Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton's classic um Cleopatra was sort of the last of the sword and sandal epics. Have you seen a lot of this era Sword and Sandal movies? I have not. I mean, I've seen Ben-Hur. I've seen this. I've seen parts of, you know, I saw the Julius Caesar that they made in the 50s. Um, I've seen parts of the fall of the Roman Empire. I've seen parts of Cleopatra and Anthony and Cleopatra. Um, but I really haven't. I'd be interested to explore it more. Um, but I also have to imagine that none are as good as Ben-Hur or Spartacus. You know? Yeah. And that's, um, that's my that would be my hesitation. I would say you've seen a lot of them because I haven't seen any of those. I think this is the only one really of the era that I've seen. Um, and I think part of that is, I mean, the, I appreciate how epic these movies are, but you really have to be in a particular mind. Like you got to be in a particular mood to be like, all right, I'm going to sit down and watch a three and a half hour long epic movie um, that right. builds and crescendos like this does. So I think, you know, I, I've seen some of the more modern ones. I've seen obviously like Braveheart. Uh, right. Gladiator, Lord of the Rings movies, right. um, but in terms of this era, I I don't think I've seen very many of them, and I would like to get to them, but I do think you have to be in the right mood for that. Oh, for sure, and I mean you have to. Most of them are, if not all of them, are also going to be longer than the average film because they're epics. Right. You know, they're all going to be around the three hour mark. Yeah. So yeah. you really have to be like, 
sitting on a Sunday afternoon with nothing else to do, wanting to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other, um, the other thing that we really haven't talked about her at all is Gene Simmons. Yeah. Um, which I just realized Gene Simmons, it is not Gene Simmons of Kiss. This is no, the actress not. Gene, the Gene actress. Simmons. Yeah. It is um, Guys and Dolls, Gene yes. Simmons. So she plays she plays Spartacus's wife, Verenia. Um, and, you know, she is the only real woman in this movie. I mean, there are the two mm-hmm. women who are up in the luxury box at the beginning of the movie right. with Crassus. Um, and, you know, this is a very male-dominated movie, and I think that's – you know, there that that I do think is, is uh, docks this movie a little bit for me, just because it it does just feel so masculine when you're watching it, and so male. So yeah, um, and I, mean, but I thought she gave a good performance. I do think she's very good. She's a very good actress. Um, if you've never seen Guys and Dolls, she's she's really fantastic in it. Um, that's the Frank Sinatra Marlon Brando version. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's really really good. She's she's good in everything I've seen her in. I've seen her in a few other movies. Um, from the 50s and 60s. Yeah, I really like her. I think she has a subtle softness to her performance that I really appreciated. Um, I thought she was, I thought she was soft, but also like really tough as far as her demeanor went. Like you, yeah. you believe at the end that if she had a weapon, she would have just stabbed Crassus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was like, a great I, scene. Yeah. Be- that, like, that was one of my favorite scenes of the movie and it came towards the very end, but that, that sure. scene between Crassus and Brina. Um, was I just thought really strong, um, yeah. especially as it comes so close to the end. I mean, it's the it's really after the last big Spartacus scene that we get. You know, yeah. after that, Spartacus is up on the crucifix. We yeah. get Spartacus and Vrena, you know, together one last time. But um, that's really kind of the the last major scene of this movie. Yeah, for sure. The scene and I yeah, I, I really like her um, in in all of her scenes. Um, I yeah. think she does a really good job. Um, yeah, and I actually thought the romance between her and Spartacus, like, it didn't bother me the way that, you no. know, that very similar played out romance in the Star Wars prequels did. I mean, even when they're, yeah. the scene where they're sure. in the, it's like the, the very green scene where in they're the banged by yeah. the scene in the garden. In the obvious set garden. Yes. Uh, that reminded me quite a bit of, you know, we talked about Star Wars, that reminded me a lot of the, like, I hate sand picnic that yeah, we get. In uh, yeah, in Nebu, yeah, yeah. But, this there was just much better chemistry and that was. He even has a pony knob. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that was the other thing. Yeah. He even the has pony a pony tail. knob like yeah, Anakin. The, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I wrote that oh, down. Oh man. As well. Freaking no, pony knob. I mean, it, I'm surprised I never tunic. heard that before. And the green tunic. So, oh my god. Yeah. No lightsaber though. No lightsaber though. Yeah. Um, I don't know much about Spartacus in terms of the history of Spartacus in the book. Um. Was he older though? Because Kirk Douglas does look kind of gray. Kirk, yeah, Kirk Douglas. So this was filmed. I know. I know. Um, Owen said that it was really funny that I said well, you would get to see a young Kirk Douglas in this movie because we all think about Kirk Douglas in his 80s. Mm-hmm. We think about Kirk Douglas, but right. he was 43, 44 when this was filmed and came out, which is pretty old for the role. He was only 40. I mean, that's not, I mean, that's not much older than us. (laughs) No, it's not. But at the time, like, it's pretty old for a leading man role like this one Mm -hmm. that normally would have gone to somebody in their, like, 20s or 30s. So it's pretty surprising. And I think the main reason he gets to be Spartacus in this film is because it's his film, because he was so closely tied to the writing and development of the picture. Mm. Like, I mean, he produced it. Um, he consulted with Dalton Trumbo on writing it. Um, you know, so it, it really is his film. And I think that's why he gets to be Spartacus. 
Yeah. I mean, I just think it sticks out a lot, particularly with John Gavin as Julius Caesar. Yeah. And then um, also as Antoninus, too. Like both of those both of those characters are so much younger, um, which I guess, you know, you can kind of if you if you wanted to kind of pair up. And there are a lot of pairings in this movie. You wanted to pair up Spartacus and Crassus and Antoninus and Julius Caesar as the up and comers. Right. Um, you know, I, I do think there there's a way to read this movie where you are looking at duels. Um, yeah. You know, going back to the gladiators, the one on one gladiator fights. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's. Uh, so we do have a voicemail in from Jim. And I believe was this Jim's suggestion last week? It was both Jim and Olin. Uh, Olin okay. wrote in, and Jim decided to uh, send in a voicemail review. Yeah, and uh, Olin, Olin, of course, gets the the biggest medal because he's the one who pointed out the uh, he's the one who pointed out the Michigan Absolutely. State thing. So yeah, so all right. there you go. Good job, Olin. Um, well, we do have a voicemail from Jim, and uh, I think that will be a good thing to lead us into feedback. So let's play Jim's review. I liked Spartacus. I knew that I liked Spartacus, but I was surprised how well the politics of it hit me where we are right now. The screwed up machinations of the in the Roman Senate, the fights back and forth, the tragic ending with still a little bit of hope in it. It all really hit me the day before an inauguration where we are right now. Anyway, thanks for picking Spartacus. I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say about it. All right. So thank you, Jim. And, uh, wow. Thank yeah, you, Jim. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, so I don't know if he said it in there, but Jim gives it a five out of five. Good way to sum up. Yeah. He yeah. gives it five. Wow. Um, I thought about it with the politics. I didn't think about it in terms of the day before an inauguration, but that's a really interesting read on it. Of course, yeah. uh, this will be coming. This podcast will be coming out like 12 I, hours before. I think that is a, uh, also like a fair comparison to the way we all kind of feel right now. Mm-hmm. We all kind of feel like Spartacus and his army. Those of us that were, uh, you know, anti-Trumpers, Democrats who voted for Joe Biden, who people, even people who have felt oppressed over the last four years, probably feel a lot like Spartacus today, yeah. where they're just tired and but also hopeful. Uh, hopefully it ends up better. Than hopeful, for hopeful for the future. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the, the baby is Joe Biden and. Oh, the baby. Oh, man. The baby well, is you know, to be fair, <laughs> the baby in no, no, the baby in this movie actually is still younger than Joe Biden uh, today. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that was Jim's feedback. Uh, why don't you read, Why don't you read Jeff's feedback? Oh, I get to read Jeff. Thanks, Spartacus. Right. This was definitely an old epic movie. Despite what you think, Zach, I'm not old enough to have actually watched this in the theater. <laughs> I have seen it before, and it's still a classic. It moves slow, but I think it does so on purpose to help the epic story build. What I find amazing in this movie is this movie was built pretty much with no special effects. Mm-hmm. All those giant fight scenes were so good. They had so many people involved. If this was made today, I don't know if it would look dramatically different. Uh, probably would have a ton of CGI. I believe the story is based on a, on a true-ish story of a slave revolt in Rome, all in all, I really enjoyed this classic. I give it 4.5. 4.5. Wow. Great nice. review. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. Um, although I think that's one of the things that I that rewatching Return of the King, um, that I was struck by how much I loved um in the Battle of Pointer Fields. Peter Jackson could have used CGI, and he didn't. He used as much practical effect as he could, and that made it like just so much cooler. 
it, it mm-hmm. still holds up. And if I, you know, if I hadn't just rewatched it, I would be suggesting Return of the King this week, but I'm not. Yeah. Um, I, I actually did just hear on a podcast on another podcast mm-hmm. they were talking about some Lord of the Rings moments and I was like you know it has been a long time since I've watched or rewatched Lord of the Rings and I'm like I, I could yeah. be due to to do the whole trilogy at some point um I don't know maybe like over yeah. the summer or something you have to do the extended editions though that's the problem and where are you gonna where are you gonna clock out 13 hours right well we d- we did it once on a, I think it was Memorial Day we did the whole day we yep. watched all three of them. So yeah, yeah. I, I also Veterans Day. Yeah. Uh, okay yeah I also have uh I've never seen the third Hobbit movie I've only seen the first two yeah. and I know you say I have to, I can just skip the third Hobbit but you just skip all the Hobbits I'm too much of a completionist I I gotta see the yeah. third Hobbit I did read the book I like the book yeah so. all right well Stefan usually I read Jeff and you read Stefan so it's funny we're on a role reversal today thanks to the well this, thanks this to week the, I'm uh, Spartacus Jim Crumlin so. yeah it's true I'm Spartacus. My life is Spartacus. Uh, <laughs> St- Stefan yeah. <laughs> says, uh, Spartacus was great. All right. Uh, from what I know, it mostly is historically accurate. But even if it wasn't, it's still a very well-made movie that holds up today. The pacing of the first half was a little slow, but the acting and set pieces were all around great. I encourage everyone to look up the life of Woody Strode, who played Draba. Uh, I do not know anything about that actor, actually. Um Movies like this are why it is called the golden age of Hollywood. Four out of five from Stefan after two. I think one star reviews the last couple weeks. We finally got one Stefan likes. Yeah, so we, we go. got him. Told you to stick with us. There will be ups oh, man. and downs. I see what you did here. Now I get to read Olin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you know anything about what he strode? What is he referencing? I don't know. Um, I missed him. In I didn't see anything in my research about him. I'll have to look him up afterwards. Uh, so he's a football star. He played in the NFL in the post-war <laughs> era. After football, he went on to become an actor. He won a Golden Globe for uh, oh, he won a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor for Spartacus in 1960. Oh, awesome! Nice. Uh, and he also served in the United States Army Air Corps during World War II. Which one was Draba? Uh, that Draba is the um, is the black guy that he fights in the beginning. Oh, Spartacus okay. fights in the beginning. Got it. Got they it. He gets got stabbed it. in the back. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised he won a Golden Globe. I don't feel like he did that much in this movie. So um, that's cool. Good for yeah. him. Uh, right. So he, I think he, yeah, he passed away in 1994. Mm-hmm. Sure. All right. Well, so, we'll go from right, that read to Owen. Owen says, I liked Brendan's comment last week that we were going to see a young Kirk Douglas when there were a lot of, a lot of discussion at the time about Kirk Douglas being too old for this role. Sorry, I uh, spoiled that part, Owen. Uh, that's right. Also, you set expectations that he was going to be yeah, very no. young, and then I was like, "Oh, he looks a little older than I was." Expecting. Also, all of the films I know him for um, are up to and including Spartacus. So this is the oldest I know Kirk Douglas within a major role. Uh, he never seemed that young to me. I kind of agree. He's always kind of looked like he's been forty-ish, even you know, ten years before this movie when he did Paths of Glory. He he looks like he's forty. Uh, I mean, I just like that he looks like what I know Michael uh, Douglas looking like. Right, for sure. Like, Michael Douglas always looked prematurely older than he was, too. For sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Owen continues, I couldn't quite warm to Kirk Douglas in this, and Tony Curtis seemed to be in a very much, un- seemed to be very much underplaying his role. I think other such epics of the time had more compelling leads, did enjoy Will- Woody Strode's performance, notable decathlete and key NFL player in the post-war era. Still a good revisit after a long time not having seen it. Preferred scenes focusing on the Roman political machinations more so than the slavery uprising. 
thought the cohort of British actors was excellent. Olivier relishing the villain role. Charles Lawton, a great foil. Peter Ustinov playing the bumbling, pandering man of wealth wonderfully. And Gene Simmons is always a delight. Uh, it is really funny, the Gene Simmons thing. I did not put that together know, right? until we started saying her the name. And I was Simmons. like, wait a second. Yeah, yeah the other yeah. Gene Simmons. Yeah. Uh, battle scenes and training scenes were really well done, well directed, but could feel Kubrick didn't quite have his heart in this movie. 3.5. I don't feel like Kubrick didn't have. I think Kubrick did a lot more with this movie than like anybody you would else expect. Would have, yeah. Right, than you would expect from this sort of blockbuster. I think this could have just been a, you know, slave uprising, big yeah. battle, and yeah, like, this you know, like been I, a, this did way more than I would have expected. This could have been a meat and potatoes just rehash of Ben Hur, and any other any other director probably would have done that. I think Kubrick put his own stamp on this, definitely, yeah. especially with the um, way it was directed, the cinematography. The biggest real Kubrickism, aside from what I talked about with the lighting, so there's the scene at the end of the battle where everyone's dead and everything's quiet, and they do that slow pan across the battlefield into the trenches full of bodies. Mm-hmm. And that's a direct homage to a similar panning shot in Paths of Glory. Okay. So it's like, it's super Kubrick to do that. And he does a lot of those slow pan across distant shots in a lot of his movies. Um, you know, you can, you can see it in 2001. You can see it in The Shining when they're going through the mountain pass. Mm, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in 2001, you can see it as they're going through the tunnels um, on the spaceship. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very Kubrickian thing, and I, I really like it. It's a really always a unique shot. Um, all right, what what did Molly have to say? All right, so let's go on to Molly. So uh, Owen gave three point five. I think you said. Yeah, that. I think I did. Yeah, three point five more. All right, so Molly said, I don't usually like historical epics, but I enjoyed this more than I thought I would. The characters were well-written. I was emotionally engaged for a lot of the story. It was definitely too long, but the ending was so moving and powerful that it made up for it. Four stars from Molly. Nice. And that is going to give us an average of 4.2 stars from Molly. Very nice. Very high. Um, Um, We definitely have fewer uh, feedback emails this week, but I think that's probably the runtime, the fact that you have to rent this. I do hope, and they're not listening right now, but if you didn't watch this movie – a, you've had it completely spoiled for you, but you you should go. I, I, it's I didn't want to too much tip how we were feeling about it, or at least how I was feeling about it. But I think everybody should watch this with you. I think this is great. This is a great piece of film history. It's it definitely holds up. It's better than I expected. Um, I guess I'm just getting into my score. I'm giving it a 4.5. Um, it's close to a five. I just it's yeah. not perfect. It's but it's it's very close. Um, I agree with Molly that it felt long, but I also feel like by the end of the movie, I thought it was worth the runtime. I think everything mm-hmm. that it built up, there was never, there's nothing in this movie that I would be like, oh, you really should, should cut that. Right. There's, there's um, nothing I can really point to that I would say I would cut for times yet. Yeah. That's- so, um, and I think that, you know, some characters got paid off. Some just kind of disappeared because mm-hmm. that was just the nature of the war. Um, and it generally surprised me too. I did not mm-hmm. expect the movie to end the way it did. I thought, you know, I didn't pause the movie, but I was thinking when I we were at the battle, I was like, wow, we're already at three and a half hours. Like, you know, battle's over. All right. Movie's done. Let's. And mm-hmm. then there was a whole bunch of fallout from after the battle. Um, sure. And every movie over two and a half hours should have an intermission. I agree. Um, this is. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you um, and a couple of our other listeners. I the only thing is that it was three hours. But even then. 
you know, the intermission came at the perfect time. It's well, it's still well paced for being as long as it is. It didn't really feel slow. I was just sort of waiting for something awful to happen. And mm-hmm. you're you're continuously kind of because you're we're trained as moviegoers from years of tension filled war movies and Game of Throneses and TV shows like that. You're just sort of always on the edge on edge waiting for something awful to happen to your main character. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what gets you through Spartacus to a degree. You're like, there's no way this is gonna work out well for these people. You know, Rome is way too powerful. Crassus is way too good at his job. Um, this is just going to go terribly. And, you know, I, I think that what I love most about this film is that it's not just a war epic. It's a character drama. Mm-hmm. And that shines most brightly in the performances of Kirk Douglas, of Charles Lawton, who we didn't talk about a ton, but I absolutely love. Um, he directed his one movie he directed was The Night of the Hunter which if you've never seen is a freaking incredible film. It's the first um, serial killer credited as being the first serial killer movie. Mm. Um, it's, it's incredible. Um, anyway, he's a really, really amazing actor. Peter Ustinov is great. Tony Curtis is really good, even though he isn't given much to do. Gene Simmons is fantastic. I mean, you have freaking Lawrence Olivier. It's just, I was going to say, Peter. you better mention Lawrence Olivier. Yeah, he was I mean, the best I'm performance in the movie. It, I'm capping it with Lawrence Olivier. Right, because good, good. You have the Daniel Day-Lewis of the 50s and 60s in your movie, and you just let him go, and it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'm right there with you guys, and it's not a perfect film, but it's an amazing film, and I'm also going to give it a 4.4. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to me that, uh, for me, the part of this movie that I thought was the weakest is the part that it's the best well-known for, which is the I'm Spartacus scene. Um, I think it's the I of Spartacus scene, and if you wanted to nitpick the battle, my 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 only issue with the final battle is that it was just so freaking short. Because I paused before the battle started, and there was still like 45 minutes left, right. and I was like, okay, great, this battle was probably like half an hour long, awesome, and it's over in like five minutes. Yeah, they, like, well, they kind of did the Game of Thrones thing. Yeah, and they, I think they yada, that's yada, also yeah, yeah, like where they they show the build up to the battle, and then they cut, and it's the path. It's, aftermath of the battle um i i do also really appreciate you know watching this watching the searchers this weekend Mm. um these movies where i'm like oh that's where that thing came from but there is a specific thing in the searchers that is almost copied like directly into star wars new hope and i was like oh i had no idea that that was what this a new hope was referencing so it makes me you know i talked about wandavision being like self-satisfied it makes me Mm -hmm. kind of self-satisfied when i'm able to like pick those (laughs) things out from stuff that i like and i'm like oh i had no idea that you know so much yeah i had no idea that benioff and weiss were such big spartacus fans or george lucas was such a big spartacus fan so um there you go well that gives us a 4.4 overall which will round up to a 4.5 for sweet the letterbox that That our highest highest rated movie so far Far out of three, nice. and probably is one of our highest averages if we were to take last year into consideration too. Yeah. Um, 4.4 is pretty high. Yeah. So, I would okay. be curious how that listener average would change if and when more listeners watch this movie, because I think the ones who didn't get around to it, I, I think most people would like it, but I do think like yeah. you got to be in the right mood for it, and I sure. get it. It's it's a three and a half yeah. hour movie, and it's. Yeah. So and like, I mean, this is the. I think we. I think we did a great job having this land on a holiday weekend, where people didn't feel rushed to watch it, and maybe could watch it on the Monday holiday yesterday. True. Um, yeah, totally. And that 
I, I mean, unintentional, but uh, probably a good thing. And I think um, the other thing that helps it is, you know, it's just like, <clears throat> I totally lost my train of thought. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll come to you because let's talk about connections. Maybe it'll come to me. Let's talk about some connections. Why don't we right. go into uh, what this connected to for us in Life of Brian? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of obvious ones, but I couldn't find anything really to connect it to Young Frankenstein. Um, so I did do – so for uh, Young Frankenstein, one that I connected to was the uh, attacked by your own creation. So um, the masters kind of built up their creation being the slaves, and then the slaves rebel against them. So it, it reminded That's me a little bit of – the tagline of the movie. They yeah. taught him to fight. They taught him too well. Right. Yeah. yeah, and I think you could put that on Frankenstein's Fair monster enough. as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the that's the major connection I saw to Young Frankenstein. Good one, um, good one. Yeah, and I did. I wish I would have written it down because I did have an idea for what we would call the connection between Life of Brian and Spartacus, and I'm not. Oh, I think it was I am dot dot dot. Uh, yeah. The like, I, or it was like I what was it like I am the leader of men, um, or like can something like it, that. Can we call it getting away with crucifixion? <laughs> yeah. <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, no. Uh, no, I was going to put I am, and I don't remember how I was going to finish that sentence, but uh, I am Brian, I am Spartacus, um, you know, I am going against Julius Caesar. Right. Um, oh, I like, I, I am leading the rebels, I think we could say. Um, Rebel leader, yeah. Which also kind of tips off the uh, the leader of rebels for Star Wars. So. True, true. All right. I don't think you um, really map Luke Skywalker to Spartacus at all. Yeah, I mean... Life of Brian, you have a lot, um, you know, of just general connections, Rome, centurions, togas, gladiator pits, uprisings, crucifixions, a martyred hero, um, you know, just all the all the general stuff. It's a you know, it's set around the same time period using a lot of the same types of costumes and thematics and yeah. fights against Rome and et cetera, et cetera. Um, Did you uh... But Titus, I feel like, could have been the uh, biggest uh, biggest buttus. What was the character? Oh, um, Nautius Maximus. No, big, the big, friend. Biggest, biggest, biggest Dickus. Yes. Yeah. I feel like that he basically is biggest Dickus in this movie. <laughs> um, and you have the Julius Caesar character, obviously. Yeah. Hail movies, Caesar. So. Um, yes, Hail Caesar. Yes. I'm not suggesting Hail Caesar again, but I thought about it's it. Tempting. It's tempting. <laughs> All right. Um, well, now we have to do the movie map. So yeah. this is so, our segment that we added for season two, where we have to connect this movie to one movie that best connects to it from season one. So what would you say is the movie that this best connects to? So this is one that you brought up last week, actually, for Life of Brian. And I think it's a better connection to this movie. And that's Hamilton, hmm. which is about a group of revolutionaries who are trying to fight the evil empire that is has been ruling them for way too long and the lead character dies in the end and dies a hero oh, yeah. and, leaves behind, and leaves behind a wife and child. Yeah. Uh, not a child, but in Hamilton, but a wife. Well, yeah. Um, do you go. think the child in uh, Spartacus ends up becoming Luke Skywalker? Uh, I thought he became Anakin Skywalker. And so the reason that Shmi couldn't say that Spartacus was the father is because nobody could know. So she had to say there was no father. Oh, so that's your, okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's so your Spartacus right. was Shmi Skywalker's secret lover. Oh, yeah. cool. All right. That's fun. So, yeah. Um, all right. Anakin is son of Spartacus. Uh, yeah. I hope nobody's spoiled by Lando Hamilton. 
you, you did spoilers just spoilers for history, bro. Yeah. All yeah, right. Sorry. So, spoilers for history. Uh, I I like Hamilton. I think that's a good one. I think that's yeah. better than the one yeah. I came up with. Um, yeah. Uh, so I was gonna say The Great Escape. Um, Ooh. Yeah. In terms of the time period that the studio film, um, I thought there were elements of the score in this that reminded me of the yeah. elements of The Great Escape. It was long. It was epic. Um, it had. After the, you know, after they escape in the Great Escape, there's a whole another part of the movie, and just like yep. this, after the battle, there's a whole another part of the movie. So. 60s uh, war epic where they're trying to escape an evil empire. Yeah. There you go. So. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. I feel like I had one other idea of one that was. I feel like there's. Um, oh, Apocalypse Now is the other one where you could yeah. probably, you know, especially the Martin Sheen, Charlie Sheen, uh, Cup right. Douglas, Michael Douglas thing. So. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. All right. Well, yeah. So that's a. Uh, you know, just to recap, that's a 4.5 on the old scale for um, the movie Spartacus. The connection that we had for Spartacus, again, you'll have seen it in their podcast description, but it's something along the lines of uh, I am dot 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 leading the rebels, I think is what we're going to go with. Um, unless I come up with something. I better. am I am a rebellious leader. Yeah. I am a naughty, very naughty boy. I am a very naughty boy. Uh, I don't think Spartacus was really very naughty. Spartacus was pretty good. Uh, all right. Well, with that, I think this might be – well, no, this won't be our longest podcast, but we're, we're already going pretty long, and yeah. uh, that's okay. This is a long movie, long Five podcast minutes. for a long movie. Um, right. So we're going to get into our listener connections now. Of course, this is the segment we do every week where listeners and us bring in connections. We pick our movie for next week. Once we do, make sure you send in that feedback at LadderMovie on Twitter, themovieLadder at gmail.com to send in your feedback, rating, questions, comments, and the next movie connection. And if we pick your movie – Follow Jim Crumley's lead. Feel free to send in a voicemail. So, um, all right. Uh, I will say I like there's a lot of ways to go with connections. I wrote down a bunch. Um, I I feel like I just kind of skimmed the surface of like basic connections, although I had one that was the connection I came up with before we even watched this movie. So I'll be curious if anybody else comes up with that one, too. So let's see what we got. Uh, All right. From Jeff. All right, he's got three epic of this type with historical. Um, I will go in reverse chronological order, so the most recent being 300. Nice. Also a big one that uh, Spartan Stadium is obsessed with, because that is about the Spartan Warriors. Uh, Gladiator from 2000. And I feel like Ben Hur. We've talked through Gladiator a lot in this movie. Yeah, we have talked a lot about Gladiator. Um, also a lot about Ben Hur as well. So yeah. Ben Hur is his third one. So I'll be surprised if that's the last time Gladiator or Ben-Hur come up in this connection segment. So we will see. All right. Uh, Stefan wrote in, oh, Gladiator. <laughs> he said yep. it's his all-time favorite film. Oh, all right. Um, then also uh, Hamlet, yep. starring Lawrence Olivier and Gene Simmons. And I'm assuming that was before this movie? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally Cleopatra, which came up earlier, Golden Age of Hollywood, mm-hmm. also features Julius Caesar. It's a giant epic. Um, yep. And uh, and it sort I, of kills the sword and sandal era for a little while. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. We'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, if we. Get all right. It. So Olin said his uh, links Woody Strobe in a movie in a film that like Spartacus is about a legend and as the title suggests an attempt to kill Liberty and that is the man who shot Liberty Vance from 1962. So uh, Liberty Valance. Oh right. What did I say? Vance. Yeah. Advanced refrigeration. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Liberty Valance. Oh, uh, yeah, this has been on my list for a while, and I've been watching a lot of uh, Westerns. Yeah. So, um, 
And uh, probably the last great John Ford film has John Wayne and James Stewart pairing off with Lee Marvin playing Liberty. Nice. Uh, next one he suggested 2013, 12 Years a Slave, about a man seeking to escape slavery. Great movie. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. And finally, Marathon Man from 1976, Lawrence Olivier playing the title characters, nasty and Nazi antagonist, co-stars Dustin Hoffman, and wonderfully referenced in Seinfeld. Yep. Yes. I don't think this was referenced in Seinfeld. So. Um, and then uh, Molly sent in, also Marathon Man. Oh, and she said, starring Lawrence Olivier, bonus points. This movie and Spartacus are both both referenced in episodes of Seinfeld. Yep. So, um, and then also she suggested Turbo, animated movie about a snail that wants to be in the Indy 500. Snails. Uh, is that because of the snails and it's oysters It's because of line? snails and oysters, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, because the snails always want to be better than they are. Yes. Uh, also, um, we have a couple other connections that uh, I will go through. But uh, also, um, Molly says, that thing you do, because of the catchphrase, I am Spartacus. Spoiler alert, that was the one I already came up yep. with. I, I mean, everybody that knows you knows that was one of your connections. Yeah. Do you want to just go into your connections now? No, because we have more listener connections that you didn't write down on our doc. Uh, what? Yeah. Um, oh, well, oh, did they come one, in as well? Well, one just came because Kyle said he was going to send in connections and I didn't see him. He did what? send them in 15 minutes ago. So. Hey, Kyle. Uh, Kyle's, Kyle's been working hard. He said, I have not yet watched the movie because I asked him if he watched Spartacus. He said he didn't have time this weekend, um, but he did have connections still. Uh, Great. So the so, first is Ben Hur, is his first one. Nice. The second one is 2001 A Space Odyssey and Doctor Strangelove, both Kubrick Corner connections. And the third is uh, Marathon Man from Lawrence Olivier. Wow, we are really uh, – our listeners are all Everybody in the Everybody really wants us to watch yeah. the same movies. Yeah, uh, that's good. We have we have some good consensus. I like it. Um, the, other, the other connections that you missed were Jim's connections that were buried in his email with his voicemail. Oh, were they um, on the other side? I missed yeah, it. They were at the bottom. He said, uh, my, su- my suggestion is a film about a slave rebellion, which is on Netflix, stars Matthew McConaughey. That is The Free State of Jones. Yes. So, um, yeah, that is Jim's connection. Uh, I remember when that came out. I never saw the free speech. Yeah, I, I think I heard that it was not great, but I still wanted to check it out because I love McConaughey. So. Yeah, so, all right, why don't I scroll up to the top and go through these suggestions? So we've got Gladiator. Oh, wait, or do you want to wait until after you? Oh, yeah, wait, let's, let's do ours. Yeah. Okay. I think we did this last week as well. Um, I think we messed this up last week, too. Why don't you yeah. go first? All right. Uh, well, you know how I said I didn't do a great job with my connections because I just felt like I scratched the surface? Yeah. Um, well, all of our listener suggestions are here. Uh, yeah, I have one that wasn't suggested by the listeners, um, okay. and that's Paths of Glory. Yep. So. And that was on my list. So, yeah, that's yeah. Kubrick and Michael Douglas. They came yep. together before this. Um, one thing I will say, I've never seen Path of Glory, and I it's what I, I love Kubrick movies. Um, it is only 88 minutes. So, it's fantastic. Um, you know, the other ones that I had on my list, are, and I'm not – oh, wait, another one I guess I'll put Lawrence of Arabia. That wasn't – that wasn't uh, suggested as well. Um I also looked up Michael Douglas movies to see if there was anything that, you know, we could do a fun like we did uh, last year with uh, uh, Tippi Hedren and Melanie Griffith. But there's really mm. no Michael Douglas movies, unless you can think of one that would be a connection to this that we could do. Not that I can think of right off the top of the head, no. Um, I thought it could be kind of fun to do that, but there really wasn't anything. Yeah. Um, I guess just to add one more, just to not um, – let's go with The Killing by Stephen. Ooh. The killing Never seen it. Yeah. So, that is uh, a heist movie. 
Okay, yeah. It's on my watch list to see. Uh, the other ones that I came up with were already suggested. Gladiator, uh, Ben-Hur, Man Who yep. Shot Liberty Valance, That Thing You Do, 2001. And uh, I did have Cleopatra on my list as well. I actually thought one reason I would really like to do it is because it is a female-led movie, and we have not yeah. – This is the, it's the opposite of this. That's um, a great point. And uh, then I looked at the runtime of Cleopatra. Well, it's and massive. It's, it's it, it makes this movie look short. It's like five hours long. Yeah. yeah. Cleopatra's um, Cleopatra. We would need multiple podcasts. Right. So um, that is, the, I really like the idea of doing it, but I just don't know. If yeah, I do too. But um, so there is one connection that I'm surprised you didn't come up with, especially because I know you love this actor, and I made a point to point out who wrote this movie a couple of times, thinking it might come to your head, and that is the Brian Craston biopic Trumbo about. Trumbo, I the, did think uh, about that. Blacklisted, yeah. uh, Hollywood blacklisted writer. Um, we haven't done a Craston yet, and I thought it would be really cool. Um, and it would get us into a different. Um, it would get us. It would get us into um, a different area that we haven't talked about yet this year, but um, that we did maybe hit on too much last year in terms of the movies about movies. But uh, I also thought it might be cool to cover um, Craston. So I I wanted to pick Trumbo. It felt like a pretty obvious connection. Yeah, I, actually, next... I, I thought about that one. I didn't I didn't put it on my list for whatever reason. I think because it's not about the writing of this movie. Um, but I, I think it's definitely relevant. Yeah, so I also had a few honorable mentions that got picked by other people. Uh, Pazagori, 12 Years Slave. Um, I wanted to throw out Fall of the Roman Empire. As the, because that's a, the uh, spiritual sequel to this one, and it came out in 1964. It um, doesn't really have any of the same actors, but is one of the next big sword and sandal epics, and it's supposed to be really amazing. I've, I've only seen parts of it. but um, And then my third one I'm going to suggest is one that we talked about and kind of spoiled why we thought it worked, and that is uh, obviously... George Lucas's epic uh, 2002 film, episode two, Attack of the Clones, um, uh, for the reasons we talked about, including the Masters and Apprentices, the costumes, the gladiatorial combat. Um, speaking of glad- gladiatorial combat, I wanted to throw a shout out to Thor Ragnarok, and we did that throughout the podcast, but that's an honorable mention for me. That I almost picked, but mm-hmm. considering we just watched rewatched it, you and I yeah. pretty recently, I didn't. I knew we wouldn't pick it anyway. But I thought Thor Ragnarok was a good, um, good honorable mention for me. Yeah. Um, one movie I will throw on my list too that I was yeah. thinking about, um, just to give my after I didn't have any connections, I have four. Uh, I'll add Braveheart to my list as well. I kind of feel like Braveheart is basically a remake of this movie. Um, and yeah. so I don't know if we necessarily need to pick up, but I yeah. did want to point to it. Like there are, it, it does seem that like there are a ton of through lines more so between this movie and Braveheart than between this movie and Gladiator. So, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's the Roman setting that makes it more akin to Gladiator, but right. the actual character of William Wallace is closer patterned to, um, to uh, Spartacus. I think yeah. I didn't see Braveheart until much later after it came. Out and so I knew the mm-hmm. whole freedom line, but that line packs such a punch. I mean, there it yeah. it really does live up to that moment. I think uh, it does. Yeah, it, more so than I am Spartacus did for me. Nice. So, 
All right, right. Well, why don't you read through what we got for suggestions? A lot of repeats, yeah. and uh, it's going to be fun to see. I think there's a lot of different ways to go, and I will That's be curious neat. which of the movies we pick. Yeah, I'm really excited to find out. So we have Gladiator, 300, Ben-Hur, Gladiator again, Hamlet, Cleopatra, The Man Who Shot the Liberty Valance, 12 Years a Slave, Marathon Man, Marathon Man again, Turbo, That Thing You Do, Ben-Hur, Doctor Strangelove, 2001, Marathon Man again, and Matthew McConaughey's Free, Straight, Free State of Jones, yeah. Trumbo, Fall of the Roman Empire, Attack of the Clones, Paths of Glory, Lawrence of Arabia, The Killing, and Braveheart. Yes. Uh, why, you know, how often are you going to see... Wow. Uh, I'm trying to think like Attack of the Clones and like what's the most anti-Attack of the Clones like uh, Twelve Years a Slave <laughs> and Attack Man. of the Clones Marathon yeah, Turbo. Man and Twelve Years a Slave and Turbo. With Attack of the Clones yeah, yeah. Uh, um, wide selection of movies um all right so you get to pick first my friend uh, depends on on the genre and thematicness of what we want to go with um yeah I would say what do you feel like watching out of this list how heavy we got. I would love to go to a Western. We don't really do Westerns on this podcast. We haven't really done a Western yet. I would love to do Manny Shot Liberty Balance. And I think you and I would have a lot of fun. And I, 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 I would like to go with Manny Shot Liberty Balance. I think that would be great. All right. Man Who Shot Liberty Balance is yours. So you went with a listener connection first. Um, yeah, let's see. I, so, I'm so um, – you know, I'm so torn because I would love to stay with these epics. I really like the idea of doing Cleopatra, although it's too long, so we're not going to do that. But right. uh, if it was half the length, I would say that's the no-brainer pick. Um, you know, uh, Ben-Hur, I would like. I really want to see Ben-Hur now just to see kind yeah. of I like Spartacus so much. I'd like to see it. it feels like the other side of that coin. Gladiator, um, you know, Marathon Man was suggested a couple times. I've seen Marathon Man once. I, yeah, I, I probably, probably would be worth revisiting for me because I like didn't think it was you know I didn't I didn't find a ton out of it. Um, 2001 is one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah, and it's incredible. So I would love to, but I feel like I I worry I can't do 2001 justice. I can't do a podcast of 2001 and do it justice because I like. I agree. I, I don't think I could either. Uh, so I am gonna go with the line. I am Spartacus. The movie I was gonna pick and suggest uh, that that thing you do would be much different than. Um, than Spartacus. I love Very that nice. thing you do. Very nice. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I've, I think I just watched it last year. I did watch it last year because they did a, um, a, yeah. a cast in a live watch along on YouTube with it. Oh, yeah. You did when start. quarantine started. Um, nice. That movie just makes me so happy. So I have, really a that. I have a poster of that in my living room. It's the only movie poster I have. Um, um so. of your suggestions, I would most want to fill your blind spot of Paths of Glory. Mm-hmm. I was um, hoping that's the one you would pick. That's, that's the one that's, out of my That's four the I most obvious connection for me, both the way it was shot, and then also you have, you know, Kirk Douglas and, Co- Douglas and Kubrick um, together again. So that would be my one of yours that I'm going to pick. And we love our war movies here on the road. We do love our war movies, and Paths of Glory is freaking incredible. I love um, it. Also, the 88-minute runtime versus the, you know, three-hour-plus runtime right. for this movie would be kind of and nice. This, I mean, I'm glad you picked Fall of the Roman Empire. I mean, that is also over three hours long. Yeah. Um, even though it's a good, even though it's good, that would be the one thing that I'll tell you about that. Um, 
before you pick it. Yeah. So uh, I was, you know, when you mentioned that, I, I was thinking, like, I wish that there was a Julius Caesar movie we could have put on here because I, I would right. be interested in what happens after this with Absolutely. Caesar's rise to power. Movie, yeah. And I know there's the 50s Julius Caesar movie, but there's no right. more. I mean, there is Hail Caesar, which we didn't even talk no. about. And I do. uh yeah, that would have been an interesting one to bring up again. Um, I'm not going to subject people to Attack of the Clones. I do think we basically did the podcast of this movie, Attack of the Clones, already. Fair enough. Yeah. All of the connections. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Trumbo. Um, Good yeah. call. I'd be curious. I'd like to see Cranston's role. Just, I, I don't, I mean, that's my pick. I don't really want to do that unless you really want to do it. No. Um, but I it's think been on, I mean, it's been on my be, watch list. It's been on my watch list for like three years. Yeah, and I still I, haven't watched it. So. Yeah, I don't. I haven't heard great things about that movie. No, I know I Cranston was nominated for it, but um, I think it might be kind of HBO movie-ish a little bit. Right. So, so it could get us right into that same spot where we were with um, with the Hitchcock movie. Yeah, the girl. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's fair. But I mean, I it's been on my watch list for so long, I had to throw it out, and mm-hmm. it was such an obvious connection. Well, um, and I've been wanting to rewatch Mank, and I you know yeah. we do Trumbo, and then we do Mank next. Yeah, exactly, and, and that's like. Just, uh, I, I I would be interested in that at some point, yeah. but I just think there's, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. to be fair, we have all we've done all blind spots for me so far in January. This next episode will be January 26th, so it'll still be Zach's blind spot month. So um, if we wanted to go by that, we probably should take that thing you do out of contention, um, or we could go from Zach's blind spot month to Zach's favorites month. Uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to, yeah. So, Not yet. Uh, I, I do think it's between Liberty Valance and Pazigori, both of which I think you and I would want to watch. Um, I know you're real intrigued by the 88 minute mark. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's, that's not a deal breaker. I'm not sure how long Liberty, Liberty Valance is. Yeah, let me look that up. I do like that it's Woody Strode because uh, yeah. Woody Strode was uh, Stefan wrote in about him during yeah, the, for sure. during the movie section. And um, it's great cast. I have been watching a lot of westerns. This is two years after. Um, yeah, and it's on and it was on is, Prime as well. Yeah, and this is, I mean, it's two of the greatest actors of the '50s and '60s in John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart. We haven't really talked to Jimmy Stewart on this podcast, and he's somebody I would really love to get into. Um, I, I I love him. Um, yeah, yeah I think this, yeah, this is like if you had to take like old actors that I'm really into or have been into. Uh, Jimmy Stewart, I've been watching. Sure. Yeah, I watched. Uh, the Searchers just a couple nights ago, so John Wayne fits that. I've actually been watching a ton of westerns, so it's like a weird uh, coalescence between right. um, between my uh, my personal movie ladder and this podcast movie ladder. I just watched a John Ford movie, and sure. um, um, I wish there was a stronger connection than supporting actor Woody Schrode. Um, that that's the only hesitation I would have. Um. I, Yes, but I feel like the natural the natural follow up to this is Gods of Glory, but at the same time I think we would definitely um definitely enjoy Liberty Balance. Um so I will say this movie is two years after yep. uh Spartacus. So there's you know, that, that time frame and it's not I was thinking like maybe it was the same the same studio since uh-huh. Uh, Woody Strode was in it. Um, but the very first word, I don't want to read too much of the description because I'm trying not to know what this movie's about, but the very first words of the description is a senator. So it is about a senator. So okay. we had we had the Senate in uh, in Spartacus. Um, and, you know, I've talked a lot about runtime. It's, it's only two hours, so it's not it's not that much longer yeah. than Paz of Glory. Um, 
and it's streaming on Amazon Prime as well as Hulu. Although I know sometimes when things says things are streaming on Hulu, they're like a they're not actually, version yeah. of Hulu. I don't know. Um, and yeah, I, I, we'll find other connections. Why don't we go with the senator and the great John Wayne, the great Jenny Stewart. Lee Marvin is in this movie. Big Lee Marvin fan. Um, I think it would be really fun to do this movie. I think we should go for it. I think we should. Yeah. I think we should shoot Liberty Valance. Yeah. We're not shooting. We're investigating shooting Liberty Valance. What do you think? Do you think Liberty Valance will get shot in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, or do you think it's a misdirect? Because this is a blind spot for both of us, right? We're both maybe they don't. Ooh, maybe somebody who pretends to be Liberty Valance and gets shot and the real Liberty Valance is out there and didn't get shot. So yeah, I think it's a no. I think it's a no for me, dog. I don't uh, think Liberty Valance got shot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll find out. This is like the end of uh, on Unspooled where they have listeners calling who haven't seen the movie and leave a voicemail of what they think the movie is like about. Uh, yeah. No, I, th- I think it's going to be an investigation. Into, like, maybe but, Liberty Valance gets shot in like the first 10 minutes of the movie maybe. and then the rest of the movie is an investigation into we'll the man out. who shot Liberty well, Valance. We're going to find out next week who shot Liberty Valance. Um, I don't know. So do you, think, it, do you what, think it's Jimmy Stewart or do you think it's going to be John Wayne? Who's your who's your mind? I think on? it's Lee Marvin. Oh, Lee, Lee Marvin. All right. Yeah, well, we'll find out. Um, so I that think, movie um, has Woody Strode in it. And great. we talked about Woody Strode. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about him. Maybe Stefan can send you more information about why his life is so interesting. I think he should. He referenced. Yeah. yeah. I hope he does. And I hope he sends me more connections that we can come up with. Back to back weeks of Olin's pick. Or Olin. Yeah, good job, yeah. Olin. That's, but that's, you know, right. Olin's sending that great fact to Olin's very good. So, um, good job, yeah. Olin. All right. So, you. next week, 1962's The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. We're slowly making our way to the present every couple years. Absolutely. Um, streaming on Amazon Prime. So, check it out there. Listeners have been shooting it out of the park. They are uh, three of the first. Four movies we covered, so yeah. So this job. is our last. Next week will be our last episode in uh, January. On and then in February, are we just gonna say all Brendan blind spots? This is a this is a mixed we'll, blind spot. We'll have to we'll have to see where the uh, where the ladder takes where us. Where the ladder right? dictates, yeah. All, all right. right. Well, uh, what are you uh, what are you gonna watch this week, Brendan? Great question. So uh, I am gonna keep going on my personal ladder uh, after watching. Running on empty for my ladder. I am gonna go back and watch a couple more Sydney Lumet films, um, including. Ah, crap! I lost the page. <laughs> Pause. Dog Day <laughs> Afternoon. Oh, I saw Dog Day Afternoon. I loved it. Um, what other said uh, the verdict? No, I saw the verdict. I loved it. Oh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to filibuster time. All right, well, you do time. that. I'll talk about what I'm going to watch. All right, I'll talk about what I'm going to watch this week. Um, Come back to me. All right, well, I'm watching a bunch of Westerns as part of my personal movie ladder, and I'm going to be watching a Western as part of my podcast movie ladder, so that's fun. Yeah. Um, but I am planning to rewatch the Timothy Dalton Bond movies this week. Nice. Because Mac and I have scheduled a time to record a podcast about the Bond era because we are getting closer and closer to potentially when the new James Bond movie comes out. I need to finish my watch of all of the movies before that. But I have I keep hitting this bottleneck where um, I need to record a podcast after each actor with our friend Mac. Our friend Mac has two kids. He is often busy. It is hard for him to find time or a spot to record. So Mac and I are going to record on Friday. We're scheduled to. When that podcast does not come out, don't blame me. Blame Mac. But uh, <laughs> that, should, that should be coming out. That will be on my, my uh, Dial P for podcast feed 
Uh, although I, uh, I call that podcast series for your ears only. That's becoming one of my favorite personal bits in the uh, G chat that, that we have is, uh, hey, Mac, do you think we can record? Yeah, <laughs> there record was one time. So I watched I watched the Dalton movies back in <laughs> September. Yeah. And there was like a Friday when Mac was like, hey, you want to record because you just watched the Dalton movies? And I was like, eh, I'm just kind of tired from the week. I think I'm good. <laughs> and I'm like, let's just do it another time. Little did I know we would get to February before we record again. So yep. I, I put something on the old Google calendar. I think it's going to happen Friday night. Nice. But I watched those movies so long ago, I do not remember them, so I have to rewatch them. So mm-hmm. I'm going to watch both uh, uh, yeah. Licensed Kill and uh, The Living Daylights. Perfect. Well, uh, so as I said, I watched Running on Empty um, last week as part of my movie ladder, and I'm just going to keep going with a couple more Sydney Lumet films, including Network and Failsafe. Ah, nice. So those are the Network, those is, are the, Network is a classic movie moment, isn't it? Nice. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert, it's it's a big one. It's I am, the one you know, it's the one you've heard. Um, and then I might actually, if I decide to keep going on with that, I might go with the Death, death Trap, too. But um, I may, Or I may just watch uh, Network and Failsafe. We'll see. Yeah. Both are supposed to be excellent. And I've loved a lot of the other stuff he did. You know, he did 12 Angry Men, Serpico, Dog Day Afternoon, The Verdict, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, which is oh, like so good. one of my favorite underrated films that not a lot of people have seen. Um, it's crazy because I, I feel like everybody lists that as like their favorite underrated film, but it's still somehow underrated. How can it be but, everyone's underrated film when everybody's seen it? Uh, yeah. Anytime, watch, look, look up like any list and just type in t- most underrated films of the 2000s yeah. or most All underrated classics crime films, of the 2000s and underrated. that movie will be on there. It's so yeah. freaking good. I love yeah. it so much. Yeah. But yeah, all right. Well, that is what I am up to this week. Cool. All right. Uh, well, that is going to do it for our show. Extra long one for an extra long movie. Just be glad we didn't pick, pick Cleopatra because we probably have like oh, a three-hour podcast for Cleopatra. So, uh, all right. Well, we'll be back. Even, we might have even lost Owen at that point. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we'd have to find out. Um, <laughs> We didn't lose Olin, though, because we picked Olin's pick of Who Shot Liberty Vance. So we're going to be back next week to figure out who shot Liberty Vance. Brennan, where can people follow you if they're not You can already? follow me on Letterboxd and Twitter at Fidzy Brennan, or check out the Brennan Fitzpatrick 11 Instagram where I post this show. Check that out. Every week. Yeah. Although he did spoil the giant fireball rolling down the hill in Spartacus on his Instagram story. Fantastic. Yeah. I could not. Oh, another so connection to Life of Brian I forgot to bring up. Yes, this was my favorite connection. <laughs> uh, I just, I was just looking at my notes. I, I totally forgot this one. So in Spartacus, when they're training, which yeah. I did think the the slave training versus the army training was the exact same. It was the, the right. way they were training was the exact same. Uh, they are slicing gourds. And, gourds. Uh, yeah, look to the, the gourd. gourd. Yeah. So, and then I wrote, oh, what, a, what a waste of a good gourd. What they a waste cutting of a through the gourd. gourds. Yeah. So, yeah, if you just skipped ahead and skipped the Spartacus discussion, uh, <laughs> just know there are gourds in Spartacus. Spoiler alert for that. So. Gourd is a terrible thing to waste. All right. Well, uh, Brendan, let's put it into Republican corruption. How about that? You don't have to thank me, you little lady. That was my John Wayne impression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>